What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 45th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchin. Hey, we're back. We have hopefully rested a little bit. I know I have, although I've still been catching uh, some movies on the side in terms of reviews and uh, for leisure. I mean, we'll I'll be talking about it later with Rambo Last Blood. <laughs> I hope it is the Last Blood. Um, but yeah, it's 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 good to be back in terms of doing a, a long uh, sort of show and and sort of just talking yeah, movies our, and doing a debrief of of TIFF. Yeah, it's our first, I guess, uh, quote unquote, real episode since uh, pre TIFF. Uh, <laughs> real back, with two E's instead uh, of uh, R E. We're back in a? the uh, quote unquote studio, <laughs> yeah. which is just my condo in the kitchen island um on the real microphones uh but yeah we uh I, we took a week off after uh tiff we've been just i've been chilling i went back to work um letting my beard grow yeah horrible. i got I shaved i shaved my beard i, I got a tiff beard contain this uh, it's all good uh but yeah dude i've just been kind of hanging out it's nice to be back here and um uh, I hope you guys uh, listened to our uh, TIFF coverage. There's tons of stuff up there. If you guys eight uh, and a half hours, yeah, eight, I tallied it up, and it was just about eight and a half hours of TIFF coverage. So yeah, if you guys want to go back and, um, I mean, we're I, after taking a look at everything, I'm I'm super psyched of what we accomplished and how much coverage we put out. And yeah, like and and just and, you know like how coherent we were, like in terms of. <laughs> Like I was listening to a couple uh, of the episodes, just going back in terms of like the sound quality, and then I actually took a minute to just listen to what we were talking about, and we were better than I thought we were. <laughs> just in terms, not yeah. not in terms of our knowledge, but just you know, like it, it does take a toll on you when you get to day eleven, right? Yeah. Like it, it does because you listened you to down. one of our last episodes or the last episode, the last episode, yeah. and somewhere in the middle, I think I listened to what was it. Um, the Joker episode again, right? Yeah. That that I think is our our, our Most best popular, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, it, let us know what you guys thought because um, I mean, it was our first year covering it officially. Uh, we came up with a kind of a mobile podcasting um, uh, unit where when we you kinda, say mobile, you mean we our just phones. literally mobile. <laughs> so, and I thought it sounded pretty good. Like we try to find quieter areas, although sometimes we were on Festival Street. We'd go in the E1 building. We'd go to some random gelato patio, um, things like that. But um, I thought it turned out really well, and um, I think it's a it's a format that we might actually continue to use after for our reviews. Um, show it's raw it's real it's in the moment yeah and i dug it so yeah please go subscribe to untitled movie reviews there's um 11 or so episodes i think uh, yeah of our tiff coverage one per day um which are usually roundups of of all of the films that we saw um couple things i mean yeah for next year i would love to put either time codes on there for you guys i'm sorry we didn't do it this year but we're a two-man unit and it's very hard to take notes if you want to come work for us Uh, as an intern (laughs) alex uh, reno uh ben (laughs) uh but uh yeah it was i think that's maybe my biggest thing out of the like if i'm gonna give us some constructive criticism for next year is like i've heard like there are some people who maybe just want to hear one review, right? Right, and they, and they don't want to have to go through all the other crap, quote well, unquote. Not even crap, to... but you might not be interested in our other reviews. And well, that's you, what I mean. You're there for one thing. So, 
Uh, next year, we'll play around with either separating everything, which is possible, but a lot of work. <laughs> um, right. And, and now, now, the and, other thing I will say in terms of, of criticism, and again, like, you know, this was us kind of doing This is our TIFF the... debrief episode, if everyone, uh, just to set everything yeah. up. We're going to kind of go over, TIFF will be our, this will still be another big chunky TIFF episode, although it is a normal. Chunky boy. Uh, it is a normal Untitled Movie Podcast episode each and every week. Eric and I get together, shoot the shit about whatever the hell we want. Um, we are going to go through all the normal kind of segments, but our big topic is going to be kind of a TIFF 2019 debrief where Eric and I talk about our favorite movies, maybe the movies we were the most disappointed with. The people's uh, Choice. People's Choice, all the award winners, kind of what we thought about the festival as a whole this year and as well as like where we kind of see you know, award season shaping up after Venice, Toronto, Telluride, and, and I mean, New York's coming up in a couple of weeks. So um, we'll be going over all of that. So yeah, we'll probably be pretty focused on TIFF this episode. That's why I thought we'd just kick it off. With yeah. That, and, you know? and we'll also, I mean, we'll, we'll still have some news and, and, and trailers, you know, staying at home recommendations. And, and as Matt mentioned trailers, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, this is, you know, our, our, uh, footnote, so to speak, of, of our, our epilogue. Yes, of, of TIFF. It um, won't be four hours like last year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want the if you want that experience, you can just listen to all the reviews. Yeah, that we, we did together. eight and a half but hours. What so. I was going to say in terms of, of the one technical criticism that I was noticing, more so on my, my voice than yours, is that um, I was popping a lot. Yeah. So, like, maybe we can look into something in the next year or... Mm-hmm. or you know, down the line, like an attachment, an attachment for it. You yeah. were actually pretty good. My voice does pop well, quite a bit. Your so. voice projects a yes. little bit more than I mine does. So, um, although yes. you did get a compliment on your podcasting voice, well, shout you, out to Simone. Yeah. Well, thank you, Simone. Uh, uh, I appreciate it, and uh, I, I will send you the twenty dollars that I owe you <laughs> for complimenting my voice. Um, but you've got a very nice, kind of smooth voice. That's very, you know, like it, it's. It brings you in, and it also is like non-threatening. Where like mine sure. is bombastic and like <laughs> nah, it's all good. But I don't know. Do you want to go straight into Tiff off the top? Or do yeah, you wanna... but I just wanted to quickly say um, <laughs> I I don't know how to say it without like it's it's tough because I didn't know this person that well, but at the same time I I met her and um, a couple of times and and so um, there was a host at Rogers TV. That just passed away. Yeah. Um, she was only 21. And um, her name was uh, Usara Javid. And she hosted a show called The Youth Perspective. And it was sort of, you know, the youth perspective on politics. Mm-hmm. And like she, like me, like she knew every single person, you know, in Canadian politics, past, present, and, you know, future. And she's one of those people that, you know, if you only met her once even you knew she was going places like everyone loved her. Um, and I'm not just saying that like people just like knew that she was going to be something really uh, amazing. Like she's, she was going to be, you know, the next Peter Mansbridge mm-hmm. or she could have been the next prime minister of Canada, whatever she wanted to do. She put her mind to it and, and she did amazing work. And, and Judy Kayla who's my producer on cinema scene also produced her show. And I, didn't know or I didn't I, I only heard about it because she she passed away on uh, the Saturday night mm-hmm. uh, of the last week of TIFF right and then I found out the going into my last screening and I was just taken back because the last time I saw her was at the volunteer barbecue that we have every year it was moved up to June we usually have it in in the spring but it was moved up to the summer and um, I just wanted to give my condolences uh, to her family, um, there's an article in in uh, 
the Toronto star about her and um, it's beautifully written. And again, like, you know, she, she was working there, but she also did stuff for, she had an internship at CBC. Mm -hmm. um, And, and again, like, it's just like, her she was just a kid and her life was taken away way too early and she had this horrible autoimmune disorder and 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 again like i i've just been thinking about it a lot yeah i, I don't know why but i didn't know her that well other than just a but couple, still part of your rogers tv family right? yeah so it's... and i've just been thinking about like the other people that you know that worked with her you know like there there's a great news anchor that works there deborah hutchison um that worked alongside her as well and and you know, I'm feeling for them as well, but I just, I was really, I don't know. I've just been thinking about it a lot, and just twenty well, one's way too young. Yeah, man. and like, and and again, like just reading where she was going, like I was like, I don't really know what to say other than it is truly sad and upsetting, and and she meant a lot to the people that she worked with, and 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 was a real go getter. Yeah, shit like that always. Um... It devastates me in the way that like good people can be taken away like that and it's just how the world works even though there's just scumbags running around living super long lives and things like that and you just i mean i don't i believe in anything per se but it's just like it it makes you put your world in perspective too or just like fuck someone who has all this potential who seems really sweet and like gets taken so early and like good things or bad things happen to good people so often. And it's just sucks, dude. So. Yeah. And, and if you, you know, if you're listening to this and you want to see some of her work um, on her show, on the youth perspective, you can go to Rogers TV.com slash the youth perspective and watch um, a couple of her shows or a couple of the episodes that she um, has hosted and they're online now. And, and she's really, really good. And um, you know, wasn't afraid to ask people like, you know, Rob Ford questions. Like there's an, there's, she opens one of her shows with her asking him a question at one of these events and she really goes out oh, yeah. and it's nice. really great. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, again, condolences to her, her family and, and it, far too young. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, moving on. You want to kick it off with Tiff or should we keep that for later in the show? Do you want to go through the normal stuff and then yeah, tip, let's do the normal like, stuff. Let's 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 do the kind of like the regular run a show stuff. and then yeah. get into it at the end. All right, cool. So uh, I guess I mean we can go into what you've been watching. Which oh, Jesus. if people uh, you can kind of cover. I mean, do whatever. I'm you not. Want, I'm not gonna so. go through everything because. We'd be here way too long, and we did miss some stuff that you saw on the last day of. Yeah, TIFF. and I, I don't can... know whether you want to save that for the TIFF part or. Yeah, I'll you know I'll save that for the TIFF part, and I'll say that as well. Like I saw Downton Abbey, you can see my review of that yeah. on Rogers TV slash Cinema Scene. Not um, but... going to be doing a review here because I just I've never watched a single second. Yeah, and I haven't watched a lot of it. I've seen a couple episodes here and there for. If you haven't watched the, the show, BFCA. could you watch the movie? Yes, it's it's not hard to follow, but like a Marvel movie, I think the people that truly are fans of it, that like live and breathe it and know we'll everything about it, will get a lot more out of it. But again, it's not a hard story to, to follow, um, but it's very much about, you know, the aristocratic society of 1927 Yorkshire. And, it sounds like my fucking nightmare. Oh, there are montages of people polishing silverware, and I'm like... There's a group of people in this screening that are just loving that this. Is, yeah. Nevis is very excited for it. It's not a bad movie. Like, it's well acted. It looks great. Um, it's very British. But I was thinking the whole time, it is not your cup of tea. Oh, no, no. Not at all. 
Uh, so I will be skipping that one. But yeah. Um, anything else? Oh, you want to talk about Rambo? <laughs> God. So I saw Rambo Last Blood, um, which is the uh, fifth in the Stallone wins the war on whatever the current war cultural <laughs> climate is. So, you know, in the 80s, it was all about him uh, face. The first movie, I mean, is, is more like Death Wish than anything else. Um, but then with the, the First Blood sequels, you had him going back to Vietnam and essentially winning the Vietnam War the same way that Rocky and Rocky IV won the, uh, the Cold War. And was the one that re, that united Russians and Americans and, and defeated, you know, communism. <laughs> With this, um, he's now going against a Mexican drug cartel. And the only there there are only two type of types of Mexicans in this movie. There are evil rapist murderers, or there are meek fearful Mexicans. There's nothing in between. And the only kind of like good sort of quote unquote good Mexican in the film is Paz Vega, uh, who has just lost her sister recently to a drug cartel gang that are sex trafficking young women. And and again, like it's 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 horribly written, co written by Stallone. Um if he's not in the movie, it's even worse. <laughs> like you would think yeah, that you're watching a VOD film and, right. and to pad the movie out, there's this weird um, slow motion recap of all the Rambo movies, including the one you've just watched, for a good eight minutes. <laughs> is it 90 minutes, though, at least? Or is it longer? It's shorter. It's like yeah. 87 Oh, minutes. that's why they had to have a 10-minute montage, because they're like, fuck, we're not yeah. even at feature length Yeah, and, and again, they were thinking, like, even Rocky had a montage, right? So we got to oh, put a man. montage in I, this. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much to say. I'll probably end up just waiting until VOD um, to watch this, just to, I guess, com- the completionist in me goes, I kind of have to watch this no matter how awful it is, but... It's pretty bad. I, I like the yeah. last Rambo. So do like, I. Ram- yeah. Rambo, the 2008 one where he destroys all of Burma, <laughs> it played into the hyper-stylized genre that it, was, that it was in and was very much... You know, not afraid to be overly violent and He's kind of ripping throats that whole yeah, movie, and and he? and again, like it was almost weirdly playful in in, in its in a disturbing extreme way. <laughs> sort of kind of uh, visceral violence. But um, this is like this weird cultural commentary that's also like Stallone, read the room, man. Like, don't don't make this movie. <laughs> God, um, I caught up with. I don't know if I talked about this before, Tiff, or maybe I watched it right after, but uh, Half-Blood Prince, Harry Potter, um, and I watched Deathly Hallows Part 1, so I'm wrapping up my um, rewatch of those films, watching along with the kind of funny guys. Um, so they're who, still on it, or was it? did you pause it because of Tiff? I only paused like a week or two because of Tiff, so they're just wrapping it up with Deathly Hallows Part 2 on Tuesday, and then they're going into their Star Wars in review, right? Um, which I'm excited about. Um, and shout out to those guys. Thank you so much for um, uh, the shout out uh, during the festival. And then also I wrote in with kind of a recap of the movies I saw, and they also read that out on the latest episode of screencast at the very end too. So uh, thank you guys for, for sharing that. And um, yeah, so I'm watching Harry Potter uh, half blood Prince. It, I think is solid. Uh, Deathly Hallows part one. I liked more this time, but right. it is an incomplete movie. Cause it very much is. I feel like a part one of two, 
Like it doesn't really feel like what its one own has thing. the Voldemort fetus? Um, oh, that's like a, a goblet of fire, and that's awesome because he looks so stupid. The um, one where like I thought it was I thought it was Deathly Hollows one or two where like it's almost like in this like blinding white light that's like a train station and he's like underneath a bench and it's like a David Cronenberg esque Voldemort fetus like he's all covered in like blood and like mate I mean there was a Voldemort fetus where they throw him in like a cauldron when he gets reborn and that's in Goblet. No 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 that's oh, there's not the a, one I'm some thinking more about. Voldemort fetus. Oh yeah up, yeah so. you'll know it when you see so it. So it's probably so part two. Part two yeah. like I just remember it's when I saw that the first and, time, and I was like, this is something that David Cronenberg would yeah, do. Like, it looked I've, like the brood. I like part two a lot. I, I can't wait to actually watch that in Dolby Vision and stuff on my 4K TV. But, and it's getting into the Star um, Wars territory now, too, right? Like, yeah. in a way, like, even the wand battle that comes oh, yeah. up in part two looks, you know, the red, the and, red and the green. green right? Yeah, yeah. Um, a, a solid franchise. I think, like, I don't think I'm in love with the Harry Potter movies like some other people are, but they're still super enjoyable. Um, they're pretty I, consistent. Like, yeah. that's the one thing I've always kind of admired with them. Maybe with the exception of 2 and Goblet of Fire, I've kind of enjoyed all of them, but I wouldn't necessarily say, like, maybe other than Prisoner of Azkaban is the one that stands out because it's Alfonso Cron. Like, they're they're always kind of enjoyable. You know what you're going to get. You're never let down unless it's. Fantastic I kind of compare piece. them to the Marvel movies, right? right. Like I kind of feel it, but I mean, Marvel's way more my thing, and yeah. I'm way more invested in. And the if it MCU. was more British, uh, yeah, sure. Um, but this is the type of British, I guess, I can put up with, right? <laughs> um, yeah, and there's some good I'm performances. Kidding. I think like Alan Rickman is really, really good in that. Anyway, if we have series. any UK or British listeners, like I, I'm, I'm joking, right? Um, and also, I mean, like my whole family is British, British so. so I obviously don't hate Britain. Uh, anyways, uh. Yeah, uh, Deathly Hallows Part 1, I always forget to, I guess now that I've seen the fucking two Fantastic Beast movies, um, that Grindelwald is in Deathly Hallows Part 1 as uh, part of the kind of uh, um, the search for the Horcruxes in that movie. And it's the same actor that plays young Grindelwald in this that does in uh, Fantastic, Fantastic Beast. Beast. And I didn't know that. I was like, oh, shit, okay. Continuity, man. Continuity here that I didn't know they actually... Uh, withheld and um, I'll be curious now after this rewatch going to watch Fantastic Beasts 1 and ugh, 2, two? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no they're uh, not covering those or are they, they will be next whenever the next one comes out they'll okay. do those ones or are so, they going to wait until all five <laughs> I don't know but they, they all didn't realize there was going to be five <laughs> like Tim surprise yeah, Tim who's watching the Harry Potter movies for the first time was like they're making fucking five of these things and everyone's like I mean I've been saying this for the longest time they're doing it just so they can procrastinate until they can make Cursed Child into a movie right yeah. and then uh, well Daniel I mean, Craig is or Daniel Craig Daniel Radcliffe is too busy making Guns of Kimbo yeah, and, <laughs> and, and Swiss Army Man Rupert Grint's not doing jack shit I know. so uh, but anyways, yeah, uh, fun movies. I don't really have much else to say about those. Uh, and then I watched uh, Between Two Ferns, the movie. Did you watch it yet? No, not yet. Okay. Um, I think it's very, very funny, and I will probably never think of it, about it ever again, if that makes sense. Right. Like, it's an enjoyable 90 minutes. It's so dumb, but I think you'll laugh a lot. Okay. Just because it's, it's the exact Is kind it of stupid... Uh, yeah, but I mean, once you like know his shtick and and I mean, 
Between Two Ferns has been around for so long that I feel like, okay, you get that everyone's in on it, right? right. But um, he's just so good at executing that one thing. And then turning it into this kind of road movie where he's going trying to find all these celebrities to do these 10 episodes. So Will Ferrell will give him a late night talk show <laughs> and Will Ferrell plays himself. But this ridiculous, like, imagine he's like the founder of Funny or Die in the movie, which he is in real life. But he plays this ridiculous, like, imagine like an oil tycoon kind of like version of himself, but still sounds exactly like Will Ferrell, but very over the top and like just a gigantic asshole. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, I don't know, really stupid. I laughed a lot. There's a lot of good jokes towards community television. Okay, I'm uh, in. You're, you're selling so, me on that. Because uh, they go into the studio where they shoot Between Two Ferns, which is a community television show. And uh, I'm like, I think you'll really laugh at a lot of the, that stuff. Because um, I sure did. Even Because uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you've yeah, seen, seen what it's it like. And that stuff is really funny if you know that world. And then it just gets dumber and dumber and more ridiculous and like it doesn't quite get into like you know like anchorman territory of like uh you know like the the parking lot fight and things like that but i mean it gets close uh but it's exact it's my kind of stupid humor where you can just kind of shut off your brain and kind of watch something funny for right 90 minutes well i mean i took it as though it were you know like an snl skit mate being made into a feature almost right like that yeah same but kinda... i don't think it wears itself like too thin by the end like i think overstays it does... its yeah welcome. it doesn't overstay its welcome at all like i think it's the perfect length right. and like yeah i mean i kind of passively watched it on the couch because i woke up super early that morning and um but i thought it was enjoyable i just i will probably i right. don't know if i'd rewatch it and it's or perfect for like... netflix right? yeah exactly so i enjoyed the hell out of it but yeah. okay yeah no i'm gonna watch it I'll, I'll i'll get to it i might try to watch it this week actually um, um and then finally the last uh one i watched was something i had no idea was even happening but the battle of big rock the jurassic world short film that colin trevorrow uh wrote and shot and uh directed um starring andre holland actually is that his name yeah the nick and uh high flying uh, bird yes um he would be the biggest well biggest name in in the short and did you watch it not yet no okay no oh, that's fine um i actually was pleasantly surprised with it i know the Jura i don't know if everyone knows this but jurassic park is my favorite movie of all time uh, half of that is nostalgia, and the other half is I genuinely think that it is the closest you'll get to a perfect movie. And you love um, Dino Damage. I, I do. I had those toys. Um, <laughs> but that being said, I don't think there's ever been a truly great Jurassic Park sequel, and we've continued to get them, right? Yeah. I mean, me and you, I think, are we defend Lost World a little bit. Yeah, um, it's not a bad movie. I mean, it, it's... Like, I feel if that movie were made today, and I think I've mentioned this already on the show, it would would have been divided into two films because it feels like once they get to San Diego that that could have been a whole feature onto itself. And, like, maybe, like, if you made it now, that's where it would have ended. And it was, like, to be continued the way that, like, you know, uh, the Back to the Future movies, the sequels, because the first one was kind of almost more like a gag when it said to be continued on the first one. But with two going into three they already had footage of three and they kind of showed that at the end it's like mm -hmm. back to the future three is coming and they could have done the same thing with with jurassic 
Park, you know, three. Yeah. Because um, it just feels like they rushed through the San Diego stuff, and I wanted more time there. So that's a perfect segue because, I mean, as much as uh, uh, Fallen Kingdom was a giant pile of dino shit, like, it does leave you in a place that is somewhat intriguing, right? And, again, I do love that San Diego stuff at the end of Lost World, but it does feel like it's from a different movie, and it does feel very rushed, right? Like, yeah. we finally get dinos on the mainland. I'm like, oh, it's crazy. T-Rex. Drinking out of pools, yeah, t- eating the dogs. It's, it's kind of a cool idea, right? Yeah. But that's the only taste we've gotten. And then they've kind of deviated away from that. And yeah, when, I mean, three is is not a good movie at all, except for the dino saying Alan on the airplane in the dream. <laughs> um, and then Jurassic World gets worse on every rewatch. But I feel like that, I had nostalgia goggles, literally, um, that take place. Well, in that movie. movie had nostalgia I know, goggles on. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I um, like the idea of, of, you know, people going to this park that's been reopened that everybody's kind of over it now and it's just kind of like oh we've been there done that but it's still a tourist attraction and i think it's an okay movie it's Um, better than fallen kingdom yes not (laughs) saying much but yes um so every time i watch jurassic world i'm like i was wrong this is not a very good movie it didn't okay being a franchise as well Um, like i will we'll talk about this with the terminator movies when when dark fate comes out like i feel like could have just ended them right yeah it didn't need to be a franchise but because it made so much money it's like well we have to keep this thing going long-winded segue hated fallen kingdom ending was intriguing then the short film drops and i didn't know trevorrow i i mean he's not up to much so (laughs) except for prepping the (laughs) Well, he's just going to be watching uh, Rise of Skywalker Um, and cry. Yeah. So I was pleasantly surprised. Like, it's not great, but I mean, I like the idea that humanity is now living in a world where dinosaurs now roam free. And how does that change how you live and how is that affecting people? So this movie takes place at Big Rock in California, the national park, I believe. Yeah. Um, like on the mountainside. And then um, they're at a trailer park. And I'm not sure if like these people were displaced from their homes because of the events at the end of Fallen Kingdom. I guess too late spoilers for the whole Jurassic Park franchise, everyone. <laughs> um, so... Uh, they're at this campsite and then, um, uh, this family is making dinner in their trailer and things like that. And they see like a little, uh, triceratops and a little baby triceratops come through and you're like, Oh, okay. This is intriguing. Like people have to deal. Like if it's a wild animal, like if a bear rolled up in your, right. Your, or like the Flintstones. Uh, like, yeah, exactly. And then, um, that after that, it's not the T-Rex. It's one of those other bigger, um, Dinosaurs, like how you're doing like a, like like a, a hand puppet. Thing. It's just like a bigger. Well, I forget maybe, a carnosaur at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not Roger Corman's carnosaur. Yeah, it starts attacking the Triceratops, and then there's a battle in the park um, with these dinosaurs. This Triceratops, and then the humans are the, caught in the middle of in, it right? in their trailer, right? Yeah. So it knocks their trailer over and and things like that. And like they Lost have World to, like, in, a, in a way. Yes, right? a yeah. little bit. And it actually looks. It, you can tell it's a short film, so like the budget isn't like quite there but it actually is looks like pretty decent for an eight minute short film on youtube or whatever right um and you can tell they probably need to convince people like oh get excited for the third one um after fallen kingdom and uh you know what and then it 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 just you know it plays out kind of how you'd expect it but then what's also intriguing was during the closing credits of the movie they have like you know, like handy cam or phone cam footage of like a bunch of different events around the world where 
you know, dinosaurs are just roaming free, right? Like right. whether you're on the highway and a dinosaur is in the middle of the highway or it snatches your dog up as you're taking it for a walk or something like a pterodactyl or some <laughs> shit Jesus. and like stuff like that. And yeah. it's actually kind of cool. And then I'm like, Oh shit. Like I'm weirdly, they, they do this every time and I shouldn't be, but I'm like weirdly, they pull you back. Like, in. Yeah. Like I'm kind of intrigued by it. So, so you're cautiously optimistic yes. for this third one because they're setting. I like the idea now. of this planet of the apes or Flintstones kind of like, or even the way that you're describing um, it, it almost sounds like they're kind of doing the, the Cloverfield thing. Yeah. Well, that's well, at the, the end, at right? the end. But then I'm uh, like, I'm just going to, I'm intrigued to see how far that time jump's going to be. Is it the world's gone into chaos because of this, or does everyone kind of live normal lives and they just like, or do you have to adapt di- to the yeah. situation? Right? Do like, we do, do we eat dinosaurs now? Do we right. have pet dinosaurs? Exactly. Do, like, like, is there like a time of day where we have to like avoid like you know a a, a, a pack of them like running from place exactly. to place? That kind and of that's finally something new. Like we're not just going to a new island and some shits happening. Yeah, which is like, one of the most ridiculous things about. Like Those why movies, would you like, keep going back? Especially when you're getting like the older cast members to return. Like, what's the motivate? Like, they've already gone through it. Like, why would they want to go back? It's like, okay, well, you know, for for Ian Malcolm, we we'll, we'll bring him back because his his daughter's there. Or you know, for for you know, uh, Alan Grant, we'll bring him back because he needs funding for or his even Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt. Like, why the fuck would they even? Go well, back, and who cares right? about and those like, characters? <laughs> like, I want, I want you, Laura Dern. I want. Sam I hope they Neal, Fast and, and Furious. Want, this I keep saying that. Yeah. where I'm like, I hope they bring everyone back. Yeah, have, Jurassic like, Park generations. Yeah, but like, put Pratt but, and oh, Howard in generations, but roles. engine. Yeah, yeah, in gen, in generations. Yeah. Oh yeah, and BD Wong uh, is like the villain of. He the whole still thing. will be right, yeah. like because that's who they set up. So that would be intriguing. Bring like I really hope they bring back Sam Neill and Laura Dern and and uh, and Goldblum for more than a fucking one courtroom scene, which is your main set piece in the trailers. How can we get? And, Wayne how dumb Knight is that back? girl at the end of Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom too? They're just like, yeah, you know, let all the dinosaurs. Well, free. she. Well, spoiler like, alert: she's yeah. a clone, right? Oh sure. And, the, and I hate that line where it's just like she presses the buttons because like they're like me which is like get out of here yeah millions of people or i don't know millions like, I, like, I know it's silly to say like oh well i i i can let go the idea that they've you know brought back dinosaurs but i can't believe in like human cloning in this movie but that's like, it fine feels like, whatever it's just silly but... but it's just silly it's like they put so much into this like i'm now thinking like the third one is going to have like a human cloning thing as well now. So we'll have like Wayne Knight coming back as Nedry. Oh my like, God. Like he'll that'd be, be clone Nedry. <laughs> that'd be great. Sam Jackson. I hope they bring Sam Jackson back with one arm. Yeah. Like or survived. just his arm. His arm is just <laughs> sentient. Yeah. It's like the thing from Adam's family. Um, I was like, bring back everyone. Yeah. Put Nedry with two eye patches or like some cyborg eyes or something. They're going to say sideburns. Well, I don't know. His face is all burnt off or something from whatever that shit does. To it was him. poison. Oh. It blinds you. Oh, it just, blinds it's, you? I don't okay. think it's acidic. Okay. All right. Um, but I think it, yeah, um, it blinds and paralyzes you. Oh, shit. Okay. Maybe yeah. don't bring him back. <laughs> yeah. But then um, they can bring him clone, back still yeah. and he's just like cloned and he has like a sweet goatee. And but it's why like... would anyone want to clone that man? He's <laughs> like, got uh, butterfingers, yeah. man. Uh, anyways, I, um, I'd be curious to see what you think. Like, I, I don't, it's, it's fine. It's a short film, right? But um, yeah. it's. Do you think they'll go back into the long grass? <sighs> Someone will. Um, so anyways, I'm cautiously optimistic for. Uh, Jurassic World 3, whatever they end up calling it. And then your heart is going to be broken again. I'm sure it will be, but whatever. Now, will you see it in Croatia? Uh, Hopefully not this time, but 
Uh, that was I, I probably talked about that on an episode when I got back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Anyways, anything else you've been watching? Uh, well, I this will also I guess segue into what we're recommending. Um, uh, you know, uh, staying at home and what's on 4K and what have you. Uh, Scream Factory sent me a copy of John Carpenter's Vampires, which, um, in my opinion, I think is John Carpenter's last really great movie, which is um, a vampire film starring James Woods. Um, he plays kind of like almost like an exterminator type kind of guy who focuses on, you know, killing dens of vampires. And he's teamed up with Daniel Baldwin and Cheryl Lee of Twin Peaks. And it becomes kind of like a on the road uh, hangout movie at times. And, you know, as Woods teaches Baldwin the, the ropes and, you know, has all these kind of rules about, um, you know, hunting vampires. It's almost really like I, I feel like the the writers of Zombieland probably ripped some of this off because he's always going through it's like you know oh that's a rule like don't do anything by yourself or right, go on your right. own but there's some really great practical effects in terms of violence um, it it had been available on Blu-ray before through mm. uh, uh, Twilight Time but now this is the first time it's been released um, sort of like they it, there's more than a limited amount like because twilight time specializes in releasing okay only like a thousand of like same pressed. transfer did they do a new it's transfer? it's it's a new transfer it's 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 a it's still a 2k scan but they've added some new uh interviews with people like james woods because he's not doing anything right now because he's kind of an asshole but you got john carpenter in there as well you have uh, greg nicotero who talks about the special effects um, it's a fun movie. Like it is a really kind of enjoyable film. And I remember when I was listening to um, the Film Junk podcast when they covered um, some of the Carpenter Carpenter stuff. Jay Cheel mentioned something that was really interesting. Is that, and I noticed it a lot um, in this viewing. Is that at this time in Carpenter's career, he was kind of mimicking other filmmakers. And specifically, you can tell that this was after Desperado and El Mariachi in the way that that vampires is edited is very similar to Rodriguez's style, like kind of like these quick cuts and sort of fast action. And he's trying to mimic that a little bit or start to kind of like stay in the loop and trying to be like, you know, current. Yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily just like your classic siege movie from Carpenter. And, and it's kind of interesting. And again, like I think vampires and in the mouth of madness are the last two really solid carpenter movies and i would recommend uh picking this one up it's it's really really well done it comes out on tuesday uh uh the this week and and uh scream factory has done a really great job of adding some new features doing bringing a great transfer to it and it's a fun movie it is a really fun movie and weirdly it it had some direct-to-video sequels with bon jovi oh really yeah weird um, I wanted to talk about uh, both versions of Aladdin that are now out on 4K. Blue. You have them in your hand. I do. Um, so, yeah, the 2019 and the 1993 or two? 93, 92. One of those years. Yeah. I guess it probably says on the back of this. Probably looked that up. Uh, it's 92 or 93. I don't know. Um. So, I don't know where you want to start. Let's start with the animated one. Let's um, start with the good one. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, it uh, looks incredible on 4K, much like the Lion King release that uh, I think we both own. You got it for me for Christmas, actually. I did, yeah. Um, has a new Dolby Atmos track, which looks sounds great on my new soundbar, which also has Dolby Atmos. 
Um, there's some new special features here. So uh, there is also a sing-along mode for, I guess, if you have kids or something like right. that. Um, not really my thing. Um, Somebody think of the children. Yeah. Uh, alternate ending, Aladdin on Aladdin. So they talked to uh, Scott... Uh, uh, I was going to call him Scott Wiener. <laughs> Uh, Wagner, I think, uh, uh, there's, uh, they have, I mean, I think we've seen a lot of these with Robin Williams in the recording booth and things like that. The alternate ending, um, some outtakes like that they've done and things like that. So, um, I think some of it is, 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 is brand new, but the real thing here is it's the first time that it's available on 4k with Dolby vision and And it's a nice transfer. Yeah, dude. I mean, these Disney animated movies from the nineties, like horror, even actually I mean, going back almost a hundred years, like um, hold up really, really well when they have the uh, the cells and the actual film prints that they take these transfers from and, and things like that. Like Lion King looks incredible. This looks incredible. Well, even Little Mermaid looks like, really good. Yeah, which is eighty nine. Yeah, right? and then um, oh, not that I was saying like oh, they just like in terms of like the 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 hand drawn stuff, but even even the the Pixar stuff does look really nice. Even Toy Story the, the one, which yeah. is is sometimes janky looking with it when the humans pop in still look really good so yeah. i'm consistently impressed and i'm glad that they're putting these things out on 4k because i think the release co- great mouse detective <laughs> yeah. you cowards um like really i think in the hdr and the dolby vision and, and things like that where you can get in in certain places um look incredible and then get actually going in and doing a new sound mix in dolby atmos for a movie like this is uh in Lion King they did as well is is really really impressive and I thought it sounded great. I mean, I'm not as much as an audiophile as some other people. I'm more of like uh But you yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I mean you obviously. have a Dolby Atmos yeah, soundbar. Soundbar. So, yeah. so anyways, highly suggest that you pick up uh the animated Aladdin. And can I also recommend it on top of that with that yeah. um they're already available. They came out the I think the the first or second week of TIFF. But um, there's a lot of the Pixar movies that are being released on 4K Soon. as well. Or did they, they already? They, come they already out? have been. Yeah. So you have movies like uh, Inside Out, Ratatouille, Finding Nemo, um, Finding Dory, uh, the Cars movies, Brave. Um, not that I'm recommending all of these, but these are the ones. Like this is gonna the get first expensive, wave. Man. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I. Which ones are you going to pick up? Oh, Ratatouille, yeah. uh, Inside Out, yeah. Finding Nemo. Yeah. Uh, those were the ones I I, ha- I already have. I really so. want Wall-E in 4K. That, um, I think, will come later, later this, this year. year or early next year. Sorry, the year. car alarm's on our end. Uh, yeah, it is. So it's not on your end. Um, but they've already announced like they're also starting to release some of the um, uh, Disney Animation Studio stuff. So Frozen will be released the first week of October. The end of the year, Zootopia will be released on 4K. How far and back do you think they'll go? Like something like Bolt? Underrated. Maybe. I mean, oh, and, and, and uh, Tangled is also uh, coming on 4K. Um, the one, yeah, the one I, the ones I'm waiting for um, in terms of the Pixar stuff now are WALL-E and Up mm-hmm. and Monsters, Inc. Because right. Monsters University is supposedly coming out at the end of the year. So Monsters we'll probably Inc. has not been released time. yet or announced. Maybe they wait for when that Disney Plus show is coming out too. Yeah, it could be good cross promo. But, but there yeah. are there's a lot of like if you want to go back and pick some of those up, they're they're available now. The one that I've 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 watched a few minutes of that looks great um, is Ratatouille. Yeah, Ratatouille is. I haven't is watched it in a very long time. So I I, yeah, I haven't it. either, but I just wanted to watch like the 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 one scene where all the rats are kind of like mobbing through the kitchen, and mm-hmm. and that scene is. It looks really, really nice. Like the last time I saw it, I think was um, a screening with my brother uh, Kyle. Um, where was that? It was in Scarborough. Yeah, because they had like a, a preview screening there. Okay, 
before you were doing film criticism yeah, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, Pixar stuff's always interesting because it's all obviously mostly excellent, minus a few movies. But um, I don't go back and rewatch Pixar movies very often. Neither like, do I. Um, I think Toy Story 3 is the only one that I've watched maybe at least three or four times. Mm-hmm. But other than that, maybe up a couple of times. But yeah, I can't think of like anything where I've, I've, I've rewatched it the way that I would Aladdin or the Lion King, the hand-drawn yeah. stuff. Because again, like we grew up with that and there's the nostalgic component, but they are really well done, which I'm sure there's, you know, a generation of kids that are growing up now that will rewatch those right. Pixar movies more than we do. That's fair. Um, and then finally, uh, the not so good Aladdin on 4K. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate this movie. Um, the one good thing in the, the the movie that a lot of people were afraid of is Will Smith. Will Smith was actually really yeah. Good. He's the least of the film's he, problems. He yeah. at least brings some energy to the movie. Yeah, Jafar totally miscast. I yeah. mean, these are all things that if you guys want to go listen to our Naomi review, Scott's okay. Um, She's yeah. not bad, but but the movie itself is very much like a. Paint by numbers, live action adaptation mm-hmm. that kind of misses what made the original one so great. And I think that's partly because the music falls flat and there's just it just doesn't translate as well as in live action as it did in, in just the hand drawn. And, and it's just again like it's there's nothing really original to it. You're just seeing Aladdin. You like you, you could be watching the original version. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest issue. Like it looks again. I feel like a broken record with a lot of these Disney kind of uh, 4K reviews because, of course, they look and sound nice. Like, yeah. you're really just it, – it, it's really up to you of if you want to see the movie. Do I think this is worth $35 Canadian to purchase a 4K disc of Aladdin? No. With version um, Francais inclusive? Yeah. I mean, that's not so bad. Eric, no. Eric hates French on the – it's still – ruins the cover but i mean right. it's not as bad as it's not as egregious as some of the other stuff lately um but yeah it, it's fine i mean the special features on here there's really not that much like there's your standard like deleted scenes and bloopers um there's like one deleted uh song and and a short behind the scenes thing but um yeah the atmos sounds nice i mean it, right away when it kicks into that first will smith song there's just feels something off even the way that he's singing arabian nights right or it's and, just trying too hard yeah. to kind of even like weirdly modernize it in in a way like you know incorporate some of will smith's own style and, yeah. and again like i like him as a performer and as an actor and he brings something to it and i even think like i i don't dislike the actor who's playing the land but i think like he's almost like kind of caught up in the moment a little too much and he's kind of like oh i'm just glad to be here you know? everything just feels slightly off in yeah. the movie and um again will smith is actually probably one of the better aspects of it um his blue really pops in hdr man um but other than that it's like i, I don't know i don't know if i would suggest spending the 35 dollars on a 4k or wait for it. disney like, plus yeah i think that's then. probably because i'm very curious i mean moving off of this point because you know that i've Basically switched to digital fully, right? With right. my Apple TV. They're going to say soldier sold um, to Disney. Well, that, that as well. Um, not really, <laughs> but um, yet. <laughs> uh, as much as my Marvel reviews might tell you otherwise, uh, I do genuinely just like those movies a lot. Um, yeah, for stuff like this, if they're available in 4K 
in Dolby Vision, in Dolby Atmos, on Disney Plus for like $7 a month or whatever the hell it is, $8 a month here in Canada. Um, that's incredible. And then they're almost – I'll be curious to see how long they wait between theatrical to disc – or theatrical to digital to disc to Disney Plus, right? Like that's right. The, the chain now. And um, – I, I think you're going to butcher their home video market because it's so cheap on Disney+. Plus. Why would you ever spend $35 on a 4K disc? Or, or you'll do what some of the – what they're kind of doing already with the Disney Club yeah. orders where, like, you have to specifically order through them to get the Blu-rays. So, like, stuff like, you know, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Is and, it Disney uh, members exclusive? Yeah, yeah. It, stuff like that. So maybe they'll make it more exclusive or you'll have to order it, order pre-order it, it from them or yeah, something like that. because then they'll maybe be able to see, like, how many people actually want to own a physical copy of it and yeah. make decisions It'll be there. interesting. It's all going to change. So who knows how long these 4K reviews will last because I might even be like, you know what, I can just watch them on Disney+. Plus, Right. Uh, certain things like I, I'm excited um, jumping off that point too. Uh, not really in our news, but um, we can talk about it in this section because it's staying at home. Um, Kevin Feige announced at, was it like the Saturn Awards or I forget what award show it was or they presented him with something, but they are doing an Infinity Saga box set on probably 4K or Blu-ray. It's going to cost $20,000. Um, oh boy, I want it though. <laughs> I do. So, it's just a giant fist. I hope it's an infinity gauntlet. gauntlet. I don't know what the hell they'll do, but um, I am excited for it, and uh, it will probably be very expensive, and I will purchase it. Well, maybe you can get uh, a review get copy. To, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My pr- privileged ass self yeah. trying to With get French on it, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. What's Infinity Saga in French? Uh, La Infinity Saga? La Saga Infinity. Uh, anyways, uh, and then on digital, do you have any more discs? I was just going to mention them? quickly, yeah. um, I, I think I mentioned it um, on the pre-TIFF episode, but um, Lionsgate and E1 sent me an American version of uh, John Ooh. Wick on 4K. Ooh. Um, I haven't watched the whole thing yet, but I rewatched the first oh, God, half that, an hour. Which is incredible. And yeah. holy fuck, that oh. thing pops. Yeah. Like, the, like, it looks amazing. It looks better... You know, on on a screen at home than it does in the theater. Like because most theaters trash. Yeah. Well, I mean, I saw it in the E one screening room, and it looked good. Right. But like this looked even better. Like the colors were more concentrated and vibrant. And and again, like I didn't love the whole movie, but that first half an hour in New York when he is just literally on the run is some of the best action filmmaking of this year. Mm-hmm. And like is on par and it feels like it is trying to compete a little bit with mission impossible fallout where it's just nonstop. And the only only thing that sucks about it is that it does stop. And then once it gets to Morocco, the whole movie slows down and it kind of loses its way for a little bit. But I really appreciate the, uh, the folks over at E1 and Lionsgate sending me over a copy. They sent me a bandana with like a skull on it as well. And I'm like, why are you wearing it? I know I'm wearing this hat. I don't know why, Um, but, but yeah, if you if you want to see if you haven't seen John Wick Chapter Three and you're wanting to maybe check it out at home on 4K whether it be physical or streaming yeah it looks great it lo- it looks amazing cool I mean I'll probably pick it up as much as I was like medium on the movie um, same I was I'm medium too. positive but like yeah, yeah and and I don't like these movies that yeah. much this was the first one where I was kind of into it because of that first half an hour yeah. 
Um, on digital for poor moi, um, I gotta pull it up. I think you mentioned the Rambo collection. Uh, yes. One second. Uh, untitled movie reviews. What am I doing? Uh, yes. Rambo four pack in 4k is 14.99. Pretty good for those four movies in 4k Dolby vision. Yep. Uh, as much as this new one sucks. is not good. <laughs> uh, interstellar in 4k, uh, for $10. Get that Hoyt Van Hoytema. Yeah. I thought it made sense with Ad Astra out this weekend to pick that up for uh, 10 bucks in 4k, uh, Mad Max Fury road in 4k, $10 and gladiator 4k, $10. How can you not be entertained? Come on. Uh, anything else on your end? Uh, no, that's about it. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, you can go back and uh, listen to our reviews of uh, the remake of Child's Play, which is coming out on Blu-ray this week. And then also, I can't recommend it fully, but at the same time, if you're curious to see um, or watch uh, Stephen King's The Stand, the TV uh, movie or the miniseries. It's uh, being released on Blu-ray Blu for the first time this week, and um, it looks like it has a pretty good transfer. So I'm I'm kind of curious to maybe dive back into it. I remember when I saw it when I was younger, I was kind of disappointed because mm -hmm. the book is really good. So. I zoned out. What are you talking about? The Stand. Oh, The Stand. Okay, yeah. cool. Which I mean, I we could also mention that um, Alexander Skarsgård was cast uh as randall flag oh was he yeah cool i didn't see that did we miss that during tiff yeah it was on yeah. collider okay cool yeah. uh so he's gonna be playing the demon crow i'm down man uh moving on to talking trailers uh i think some of the stuff we missed were just tiff trailers which we've already talked about the movies so please go listen to those reviews yeah uh the two i have here um we can kick it off with uh the rhythm section do you think the rhythm section will be lively? Uh, I I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I don't really like Blake Lively. <laughs> does, she's like, okay. I don't dislike her. She's yeah. just kind of like, she's there. She's doing her thing. I respect it. I liked her in The Shallows. I thought she oh, was yeah. good in that. Sure. Um, yeah. I know you didn't like her in it, but I thought she was interesting in the town. I liked her more than Rebecca Hall in that movie. Interesting. Um, and I disagree, but okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not like, oh, Blake Lively. I can't wait for the next Blake Lively movie. But at the yeah. same time, I'm like, eh, she's usually better than, than what I give her credit for. Blakey born. Um, yeah, this... Uh, what do you think of this? Um, okay. In this... the pans, in the pans. I like that song. Right. Uh, okay, I thought you were, you know, where having a moment did you there. sleep last um, night? It looks okay, yeah. But the delays and the reshoots, and she broke her wrist while making this movie. That's why they had to delay it. But then Very also, Tom Cruise of her, yeah. Um, and then also on top of that, they did major rewrites. Did they? So yeah. Sterling K. Brown's in the movie, but in the original script when they were shooting before she broke her wrist, that character wasn't even in the movie. Oh, wow. So I she didn't... broke her wrist, and the whole then production had time him? off. And so the writers of it put in this character and brought him in last minute. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. So, uh, who's it written by? I can't remember, but uh, it's Reed, Reed Monroe Mor Morano, Morano, who oh, yeah. is the director who who's done episodes of uh, Handmaid's Tale. Okay, okay, yeah. that's where it's from, or uh, her name's from. Reed, yeah. female. Yeah, director. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah. She also did a Sundance movie a couple years ago with Elle Fanning and Peter Dinklage. I think we're alone now. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I knew the name was familiar. I just wasn't sure where I heard it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It looks, you know, Jude Law's in there, right? Yep. Uh, I have nothing to say other than I'm like, all right, you know, it looks like you're pretty standard. It's coming out like, in January, right? Yeah, never a good sign. No, because it was supposed to, it was like a lot of people thought it could have been an awards contender. Too. I thought that too, yeah, because um, it originally was going to be late this year, right? Yeah, um, but I think it was supposed to come out last year. Oh. Um, as well. But again, because of she broke her wrist and production was halted and stuff like that. I think she had to get surgery, actually. Yikes. I uh, don't have much to say about it. It looks fine. Yeah. Um, I I'm do- more of a the rhythm is a night kind of guy. They should this used- is the rhythm <laughs> of the night. Instead, yeah. The Instead night. of where did you sleep last night? Yeah. Uh, Dark Waters with Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo is Aaron Brockovich. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. Um, he's just finding secrets, exposing secrets. He's taking you know. on uh, the Dupont family. It's yeah. it's the revenge film of Foxcatcher. Yeah. Um, this is something that he has really been adamant uh, to to make for the last couple of years because he's a producer on it as well. And the the weirdest thing about the trailer one, it looks kind of generic. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, like. If you didn't know that it was Todd Haynes who was the director, you'd kind of be like, really? Because, again, like, it does not look like a Todd Haynes movie, even though Ed Latchman, the cinematographer, has worked with Todd Haynes on mostly everything he's done since the 90s. So it just feels like a work-for-hire movie, but also kind of like an awards-bait film. But do you think that's just the marketing, and do you think it there's could probably be, but the more? the trailer itself does look... Like, the, the, like the imagery kind of looks like that Oscar-y kind of footage where, like, you can see, like, you know, Anne Hathaway playing the suffering wife and Ruffalo playing the determined but also uh, stoic lawyer who's got to take on... Uh, this major corporation that doesn't give a shit about the people and like, you know, Bill uh, Camp playing the the farmer who's been affected by it all. Like it just all kind of reeks of, uh, you know, awards kind of baity stuff. Baity yeah. stuff. And again, like that might not be the movie, but at the same time, it just like does like you can tell what a Todd Haynes movie looks like. It kind of they always have this kind of glowy nostalgicness quality to and them. i'm hoping we still maybe maybe the trailer is just marketing something that it's not right? right maybe it's making it seem more generic to appeal to more of a mass audience um but who knows who's releasing it uh that'll be focus features in right. the u.s and universal pictures canada here. yeah um it's interesting yeah I, I agree with you that it does look kind of generic but uh i mean he's been working more often lately after carol right yeah and i mean like, after carol wonderstruck, and wonderstruck yeah. which wonderstruck bombed completely so i, guess I think is excellent it, yeah like, we, we both really liked the movie a lot so i guess he was looking at this as like kind of a bit of a rebound and this to me looks like his most accessible movie weirdly enough mm-hmm. i don't um, know i hope there's more to it i do um, too i do too and i don't like that title i mean i didn't love the title that they were going with when the production was started it was dry run originally mm-hmm. um but i think i like dry run more than dark waters because when i think of dark waters i think of the uh the Japanese horror film that they remade with Jennifer Connelly, which yeah. is called Dark Water. Yeah. Uh, that's where it did sound familiar. Yeah. But, uh, but there's no 
you know, ghosts in this that are coming out of water. And is this this year? Yeah, November. Okay, yeah. So it might show up at uh, the AFI Fest. Right, that would I think make it's sense. mid-November. Okay. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, all right. Moving on. Also, Mark Ruffalo's hair is weird in that trailer. <laughs> sure. Uh, do you want to go through the news quick and then into TIFF? Did we didn't have any more trailers. That was it? That was it. Do you have any other things no. you want to talk about? There's some Which other... one of the two do we want to there... see more? I mean, here's an... Actually, during the... This can lead into the TIFF thing, but what I thought was interesting is I finally went back and watched the trailers for Parasite, and I watched the trailers for Jojo Rabbit, and uh, a couple other TIFF films that I kind of avoided. Even Ad Astra, to an extent, I hadn't watched a trailer for since maybe that first teaser trailer right and they've been um, even releasing more joker stuff now right and i'm like well. man i should stop watching trailers you right. know like i just feel like uh i i would i don't know like going in more blind is actually um it's we consume everything right you and i and especially because we have it as a section on this show but, right and, i mean it's um, it is also hard to avoid it sometimes i mean because it's it's as plugged in as we are to social media like it's up front as soon as it's it's posted and and like i went back as well and watched the waves trailer yes that um, as well because i remember that came up like right before we were going to see it and i avoided it completely um but usually i i do watch the trailers as well and and like i'm not one of those people that like will try to like avoid them during like actual screenings screenings because it's 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 hard to do yeah i agree i just thought it was interesting like i'm like oh i'm kind of glad i didn't watch these trailers beforehand um I'm like, maybe I should do that moving forward or try not to. I think I might try to take the approach of watching the teaser trailer, the first trailer, and then trying to avoid everything afterwards, right? right. Which is kind of my mentality right now. Um, and I like what's happening with Star Wars where it's just like a tiny bit of footage and there was more like here's the history of the franchise. Well, they had that in front of Rambo. They had it in front <laughs> of uh, Ad Astra as well in IMAX. So um, it's interesting. All right. You want to do news then, Tiff? Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's do news then, Tiff. Here is the news. Um, kicking it off with um, a question we had when talking about this series. So uh, Watchmen is, uh, has a premiere date. It's in late October. Um, but Damon Lindelof has come out and finally said that it is indeed a sequel, but to the graphic novel and I, to the graphic novel and not the film. If that makes sense. Because yeah. remember, we were confused of like if it was a sequel to the movie. So that means the giant squid was was canon. Was yeah. canon. <laughs> um, That's interesting. Yeah. So they he's like, we treat the original 12 issues as canon. They all happened. We haven't done any revisionist history, but we can maneuver in between the cracks and crevices to find new stories there. That's a quote from Damon Lindelof on the new Watchmen series. So I actually recently purchased the 4K of that like fucking ridiculous four and a half hour cut or whatever of Watchmen. Because it also includes um, the Black Freighter yeah, as well, right? But I haven't watched it yet. So. There's some good stuff with Steve McCaddy as the original Night Owl that was cut out of the theatrical one that they put back into either the director's cut and I guess this one as well that actually is um, emotionally kind of interesting and, and, and kind of works and I wish that they actually put that back in the theatrical one. Mm-hmm. Uh, your thoughts on this? You think it's a good call doing the comic? And not yeah, the movie, I, I mean, I think it's just a good call that they're they're kind of working within the world, but they're not going to do just a straight-up adaptation of the original Watchmen uh, graphic novel. I think them sort of taking 
the the root of it takes place within the world afterwards is, is a more interesting place to go because it's somewhere we haven't been yet and there there are avenues you can explore that would be interesting in terms of like what's what does a post watchman kind of world look like now after they've come back and you know this almost eve of destruction type kind of thing has happened mm-hmm. so i think that's going to be really interesting and and again like you don't have to um be faithful to the source material that way as well. Like you can actually kind of branch out creatively and do your own thing and kind of bring in elements from what more and has done, but not have to be just like, you know, completely faithful to that material. So I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. And, and I, and I like Damon Lindelof. I think he gets a bit of a bad rap and, uh, um, I mean, after him doing lost and the leftovers, I think this is going to be, uh, interesting territory to see him kind of cover and and where this could go is is going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. It'll it's the one thing that's going to keep me from uh, canceling HBO, I guess. Right? Yeah, I mean HBO now is really like looking for their next Game of Thrones, Sopranos. Like they don't really have anything at this point. I mean Barry, but Barry's sort of like. Euphoria did really well for them as well. Yeah, so um, I mean, but those shows haven't popped the way that Sopranos. They're or, not phenomenon. No, they're yeah. more like the wires of of HBO, where like there's a dedicated group that are going to watch it and love it, but it hasn't hit like a mass audience the way that those other shows have. And do you think Watchmen has a chance to do that? I think Watchmen could just because Westworld borderlined that. Like I do think it, kinda... but I kind of think it kind of peaked too early yeah like it kind of almost fizzled out and they're still trying to make it work and like the first season of westworld was kind of like oh wow this is going to be the next game of thrones or a nice the second season just kind of came and went yeah nobody really cared and And now they're kind of doing a soft reboot yeah and like some of their their mini series stuff has been doing really well like chernobyl did quite well which i mean speaking of which the emmys are are on tonight as we're recording this which i keep forgetting about um are you gonna watch or no no I don't really have don't any <laughs> in, in investment in it. Um, but I think, like, with Watchmen and Golden Compass, I think those are the right. two they're really putting a lot in. And then also there's the Stephen King series that's coming early next year, The Outsiders, that I think they're going to really, you know, push quite a bit. And then we'll go into this more, um, not this specifically because we didn't watch it, but, I mean, I guess it's okay to bring it up now, is that... Um, HBO had the Mrs. Fletcher series that played like two or three episodes at TIFF mm-hmm. uh, in the in their TV. What do they call uh, it? Prime time. Prime time. Yeah. Um, that I only know one person that saw uh, a couple episodes. It was Bill Chambers, a film critic from uh, Oshawa, actually, um, and he was saying that it was actually really good. And it okay. stars uh, Catherine Hahn. Um, and then, I mean, we can move into this new story. Uh, HBO also bought uh, Bad Education, which played the festival. Yeah. Um, which is uh, Corey Finley. Yeah. Um, the director. So we of watched a TV movie at TIFF. We sure did, um, but it was not in prime time. It was in special presentations um, for about twenty million, right? Like it's pretty yeah, expensive close for to HBO. twenty million. Yeah. Um, they beat out i mean most of the theatrical distributors that were bidding um i think it was like 17 or 18 million which i think was that one of the highest sells at toronto yeah toronto um, i mean there wasn't a lot of buys during tiff other than amazon picking up sound of metal and the vast of night 
um, A24. Uh, A24 picking up St. Maud. Um, there's still a few things that played both at Venice and Toronto that are still looking for homes. Actually, IndieWire put up a really good list of all the things that we're, we're looking for for homes. And, like, I know we didn't like it, but a lot of people are hoping that Emma will get picked up by somebody. So, mm-hmm. and that hasn't yet. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess we just covered a couple news stories there. So, yeah, interesting that Bad Education is now a TV film. Uh, A24 acquiring St. Maud, which you saw at the festival. I did. So. It was my. It was the first film of uh, four that I saw on the last day because I'm an idiot. Um, we'll go into the other ones later. But, but I uh, do you think it. it's a good I, pickup for I, A24? I do. It's also going to piss off a lot of people that are going to be marketed to as if it were a traditional exorcism horror movie because yeah. it is not that. It is more of a psychological thriller um, about a young woman who is a recent convert um, – Born again Christian, who's also a nurse and looking after somebody that is dying of cancer, played by Jennifer L., um, who's kind of almost like this Norma Desmond sort of, um, sort of living alone, isolated, and she used to be a famous dancer. She kind of actually looks a lot like um, uh, Meryl Streep. Um, I think the performance from. The titular Saint Maud or Maud uh, Morphid uh, Clark, uh, she is excellent in the movie, um, and it's a great breakthrough performance. I'd only seen her in one other thing before, and I was trying to like place where I had seen her because um, I was like, was she in Game of Thrones? And I was like, no, I'm mistaking her for somebody else. And then I was like, oh no, she played Kate Beckinsale's daughter in Love and Friendship, the Whit Stillman movie. Right, right. Um, but there's a there's a couple scenes in Saint Maud that will make you go ooh. Um, but it's not a horror film. Like if you're looking for like a supernatural jump scare movie, it's not that. Okay. Like it, like the people that went to go see Hereditary that thought it was that that will be the same people that go to see Saint Maud thinking they're getting like a supernatural exorcism film. And Do you think that not. crowd will eventually catch on seeing if it's an A twenty four horror movie that they probably are in for a different movie than what they? I expect? guess, but if you're just like a horror hound, then you're just gonna yeah. go and see it no matter what. Like I love horror movies, and like part of it is just going to see like even the bad stuff, even when you know. Like I'm not saying. St. Maud's back because it's actually quite good. But, like, even when you see a trailer for something that's kind of horrible, because it's a part of the genre, like, fans will still go and see it no matter what. So even if they do catch on to it, they'll be like, oh, I'll, I'll still see it because it's a part of the genre or it's being sold as a genre movie. Fair. And it is still a genre film, but it's just not what you're expecting it to be. Yeah, I, I want to talk about that a little bit more when we talk about TIFF stuff, because yeah. I feel like Midnight Madness in general this year was kind of like that, um, which is neither a good nor a, a bad thing. Um, Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell are going to star in a musical take on A Christmas Carol. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that sentence alone, I'm in. Right. So, uh, Will Ferrell, Christmas movie, Ryan Reynolds. Is I'm Reynolds totally playing down. Tiny Tim? Uh, you know what? I, I bet you Will Ferrell's probably playing Scrooge. Scrooge. Um, oh, it's done by the Daddy's Home filmmakers. Oh, no. Fuck yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, a Will Ferrell Christmas movie. I mean, I, I love Elf. Um, so I'm definitely down to see him kind of uh, come back to that. I mean, as much as the first dad, actually, both Daddy's Home movies, not that, not that bad. <laughs> 
You know? Not that great either. Not that great. Great. But I think mean, Daddy's Home 2 is a Christmas movie. Um, I will watch Will Ferrell in anything, though. I mean, I saw fucking Holmes and Watson on Christmas right. Day, this which I'm year, sure so. this will also be a late December release when it when it comes out. Yeah, we'll see. So, um, I didn't realize Will Ferrell's going to be in Searchlight's Downhill, which is the Force Majeure remake. Yeah, with uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus. Yeah, right? which I guess is finished and will come out next year. Yeah, it's one um, of the last um, Fox Searchlight movies that were made pre Disney. So you have that Antlers, which the trailer was released. We talked about that though, uh, and then. Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel uh, director Wes Anderson. I don't know why I introduced him like that, but I did. Um, the French Dispatch. That was one of was, our other news stories. Was yeah. picked up by them. Um, Makes sense. I already thought it was. Yeah. Like, I didn't think this was really even news. Yeah. Um, but then Ben Zeitlin's movie is the other one that still is in the wings. Uh, Wendy, which sounds really interesting. It's about uh, this island that time is kind of become unglued and like people can be young and then old depending on where you are on the island it's almost like looking for internet s- signals like one part you can find it and then the that other part cool. you can't yeah but this thing has been in the make the like he's been working on this since uh, beasts of the southern wild um was finished and so it's been one of those like almost weirdly like a link later film where like it's just been like shooting worked on and, yeah. and sh- shot for over the last four or five years and everybody's in like is this a re- is this like really happening is this even a real movie interesting and apparently it's done and like it was supposed to premiere th- last year but he's gone back and tinkered on it so and we'll either maybe see it maybe Disney this doesn't year. know what to do with it yeah, yeah the way that like lucy in the sky so yeah so we'll probably either see it at sundance or can this year coming right up, 2020 right. Um, so you went over the French Dispatch news. Uh, full cast was revealed, which is pretty much everyone yeah. you'd expect to be. And then in there's there. there are names that weren't mentioned that I'm sure will be cameos, and like yeah. they've even said like some actors will be in like maybe one scene. Right. Um, let's go into uh, Joaquin Phoenix signed on. Jaquiqui. Yeah. To uh, star in a new A24 movie from uh, Mike Mills. The director um, of 20th Century Women and Beginners yes. and Thumbsucker. Yes. I don't know. Um, do There's you know- no title for it yet or, yeah. or any real description other than um, this will be a post-Joker vehicle for <laughs> the titular Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Um, and then also, I think it's interesting because Mike Mills um, is one of those guys that doesn't make a lot of movies in, in terms of like every couple of years. It takes a little bit longer, but he did do... Uh, the short film that accompanied the new uh, album for The National. Okay. With uh, Alicia Vikander. Okay. Did not know that. Yeah. That's cool. Have you seen it? Yes. Was it's it good. good. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I love 20th Century Women. Yeah. I um, love The Beginners, too. I have to go back. I've never seen Beginners, actually. Thumbsucker is the one film of his where it's okay, but it, it like it was a Sundance kind of movie, and it like people raved about it there, and it was kind of like, oh, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, uh, last news story before we get into uh, uh, recapping TIFF. Um, it looks like they're going to be doing a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie uh, with Fede Alvarez uh, producing. And it looks like it is jumping on the trend uh, that many other horror movies and other movies are doing lately. Uh, not found footage, but uh, only being a sequel to the first movie. <laughs> right. Um, so so I, there was a rumor... A while back, that it was going to be a found footage movie, right? No, that um, was Friday the Thirteenth, oh, right, which yeah. is still in this weird limbo right now between Paramount and New Line of like who owns it. Yeah, 
Yeah. Because Paramount did release... Uh, no, was it Paramount or Warner Brothers? No, I think it was... maybe The, the remake? Warner? Yeah. It was Paramount, I Because Paramount originally owned it, and then they gave it over to New Line for um, Jason Goes to Hell. Right. And that was kind of like the preview of them doing or setting up Freddy versus Jason. But then in between that, they did Jason X. I wish we got more sports-style trades from movie studios, you know? Like, I'll trade you this franchise and this franchise for that franchise. Well, it makes even more sense because Jason wears a hockey mask. Yeah, exactly. You're yeah. drafted Jason. Yeah, I'll give you a second-round draft pick. <laughs> well, they like kind of a... did do that because yeah. part of part of the – I think part of the trade originally or what they were trying to – negotiate new line and paramount was with interstellar because that was around the time when Mm -hmm. uh nolan's movie was being optioned and and he'd always been working at warner brothers yeah 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 and part of it was um they brought up friday the 13th and another south park movie those were like the three movies that they were kind of negotiating was like okay well if if we share the nolan movie we want to share in the profits of these these others that's so interesting. Like uh, you, even with something like with Disney with Spider Man right now with with Sony of being like, I know Spider Man's way too important and profitable for Sony. I don't know what you could offer them to like trade for the rights back or something. But like with all the new Fox stuff, imagine if they were like, okay, Sony, we will give you Terminator, Alien, Predator the Kingsman movies and like something right. else like Fern all, Gully, all the Fox franchises we'll will give you Fern we'll Gully. give you all the Fox franchises for, um, uh, but Terminator is paramount, right? Sorry. It's Fox internationally. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, yeah. So never mind. But yeah, but. I mean, that is interesting going back to, I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is such a, yeah, weird, I guess that's what we were talking about. So. It's a weird franchise. It, like I, I the first one's a masterpiece. Um, I actually really like the second one as well that Toby Hooper also directed. And then it kind of goes in like this weird because like they never were owned really by major studios. MGM picked up part two for a home release back in the nine, eight, late '80s, early '90s, and then on DVD, and then Shout Factory released um, it on Blu-ray recently, or not too long ago. Um, that's the one where it was like Dennis Hopper's comeback. It was like that was the year of Dennis Hopper with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, Blue Velvet, Super and Mario. Hoosiers. <laughs> um, but then like three – one of them has – one of them is – it's it's either three or four. One of them is Texas Chainsaw Massacre Generations or The Next Generation. And that has Matthew McConaughey and um renee zellweger and then there's one with vigo mortensen as well really but those are the ones that i like i I haven't seen all of i have but i can't remember anything about them because they all kind of blend together even more so than like the friday the 13th movies or the nightmare on elm street films like out of all the kind of the the franchises and then the reboots of them as well we've gotten two reboots right yeah the jessica beale we got the michael bay platinum dunes one and then that had prequel as well which was texas chainsaw beginnings which was just about the yeah. family and then they rebooted it again with alexandra daddario which yeah. we saw in the theater together <laughs> yeah, and i totally forgot get him cuz <laughs> uh, um, oh, and so yeah like i mean at this point why not like i like fede alvarez so i, I mean, do like, too i do too and i mean like he he loves the horror genre and i'm sure he respects those movies and what toby hooper did with the original one and and again like texas chainsaw 
was one of, we got to watch that this year like we got to we yeah. got to sit down and do some october we should films. do a weekly uh segment on the show but texas chainsaw and uh night of the living dead were like these two kind of like b movies that were you know hot like high art not at the time but like in retrospective a lot of people have praised them as like the influence of of modern day horror um, in terms of being like scrappy kind of drive-in theater movies and but they also kind of pushed the limits and the boundaries of like what a horror movie could be and what you could show on screen right and then everything kind of tried to replicate that or you know make multiple sequels to films that didn't need sequels or then you had the ripoffs right with you know all the studios copy from one another, and yeah. they're doing it now even with this, with doing the sequels to the original movies, right? Yeah, so. like, I mean, I think also Halloween is probably partly to to blame oh, for this for as sure. well, because yeah. with Halloween doing so well last year, and then them announcing these two sequels that are coming up, and even with, you know, we keep joking about it, like with the Chris Rock Saw movie, like, yeah. I feel that you're going to see maybe also, you know, another Nightmare on Elm Street movie pop up soon, maybe another Hellraiser. I, I think Hellraiser has it's been the one in that's the, like kind of in due. the works for a while, but it was a part of the Weinstein company and that kind of fizzled out. Um like I I want to see the stuff that's like so kind of like minuscule. Like I want to see like the Leviathan reboot or um the i mean like they have a critters tv series on shutter which i right. didn't think was possible so. right and we're getting that black christmas kind of reboot yeah. again right so i think it comes in waves and and we're in that phase again where we're gonna see all these horror franchises come back in different ways right yeah like we all got the kind of you know that 2000s reboot like series of movies like in the between 2000 mid 2000s to mid 2010s we got that series of rebooting everything, and now we're kind of getting into that phase of doing like cool sequels, but eliminating. I mean, even Terminator's doing that, right? So, right. like, you're seeing a bunch of people jump on that trend of of we ignore all these other sequels, that but were this bad. will be a direct yeah. one from yeah, like Amityville will probably be next because there's like 20 of those movies, <laughs> and like none of them are really connected other than the first the the first two sequels, like. Amityville Horror, and then Amityville 2, which is the prequel to Amityville, and then Amityville in 3D. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, Amityville The, the Mirror, <laughs> and then Amityville The Dollhouse. And, like, same thing with Silent Night, Deadly Night. Like, yeah. it just... It, They'll they'll remake those and they'll find new ways to do them and half of them will be Blumhouse Productions. <laughs> yeah, very very true. Uh, all right, I think that wraps up uh, the news and uh, now on to a topic that we've been talking about uh, quite frequently uh, since kind of mid August. Uh, let's talk about the 2019 Toronto International Film Festival. So, like I mentioned earlier in the show, Eric and I were down for all 11 plus days it's 11 days but there were some pre-screeners for both of us um at the film festival i hope you guys uh listen to our recap episodes if not and if you're a new listener or uh, maybe you got busy uh, all of the episodes are available on the untitled movie reviews feed um where eric and i every single day uh sat down for uh sometimes only a half an hour upwards of an hour um every single day um there's 8.5 hours of content in total we reviewed probably uh, we reviewed 45 movies in total 
Um, and they're all roundups, so they're and in they're bunches, right? Yeah, like, they're in groups. Yeah. So each day we did a roundup. Uh, Joker is the only one that is separate from the others um, because there's only pre-Joker and post-Joker, you yeah. know? <laughs> Got to get those Joker hits. Um, so that one's by itself. Everything else are in roundup format. So um, you can just search on your podcast service of choice. Just put t- TIFF 2019 in whatever movie you want. And we should probably pop up into your um, podcast feed, but it's under Untitled Movie Reviews. Uh, we pretty much covered probably all the biggest films at the festival, as well as some kind of smaller ones that you guys probably hadn't heard of. So um, you should listen to each one of those episodes because I think there's some good stuff in there, not to toot our own horns or anything. But right. um, for today, um, last year we did a huge, gigantic roundup that was all TIFF, but I, we didn't cover the festival last year, right? No. So we didn't do coverage during the festival. That's why that was four hours long. Uh, but Eric, I just wanted to talk to you about um, now that we're a week removed from the festival and... and um, how, what your thoughts were of the festival as a whole. I'd like to go over our favorite films of the festival. Some yeah, I think that, we should start with The People's Choice because yeah. I think that was yeah. kind of interesting that Jojo Rabbit was uh, the winner this year. Yeah. And it didn't necessarily feel like a, a, a clear victory. Like it felt like there were maybe three or four films that could have been uh, The People's Choice winner. But like the year before – when Green Book played and and everybody started seeing it, it felt like that was destined to become the People's Choice yeah. winner. Where this year it was kind of up in the air, and and I think that's telling for even where we're gonna go with the with awards, awards season. season yeah. yeah, and I think that's it's 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 anybody's game still. Like there's not like one movie, you know, pre TIFF or post TIFF that is the film to be like even going into the festival like you know with once upon a time in hollywood that's still it's still somewhat divisive um to some people and 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 the farewell is a, is, a, is a much smaller movie i mean lulu wong was at tiff this year and was at a, a, did a conference uh, conversation and and so like going into the festival there really wasn't a, a film that was like the oscar contender to beat and now you know post tiff it doesn't feel like there is just one movie now there are films that had you know a, a significant boost because of it i think the film that was the biggest one was marriage story because mm-hmm. nobody really knew what to expect from a Noah Baumbach movie. Yes, like there were going to be people that were excited about it and that, you know, it would be maybe a critical hit, but in terms of his accessibility as a filmmaker, right. he doesn't really I mean, Squid and the Whale got him a, a screenplay nomination at the Oscars. But since then, but since then, yeah, it, it's been mostly like you knew what you were kind of getting, yeah, indie right? awards yeah. and stuff like that. And like even something like Francis Hall, which is a great movie, um, got uh, Greta Gerwig a Golden Globe nomination for for actress in a leading role comedy. Mm-hmm. But that was it. Yeah. But that was it. So like his stuff isn't really like an o- awards kind of stuff. But after watching that movie, like. Whether or not it does, it, but it does like it's. It, I think it's a great film, and it's it, it's in my top three uh, of the festival, and it's my top three now of 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 the year. Um, it does feel like it's a film that will be one of the most accessible movies, and is certainly the most accessible of his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And going back to the JoJo thing, I know it's been 
fairly divisive when it came to critics. Um, I think you were still mixed positive but disappointed. Yes. Um, I would like to see it again, and I will see it again, and I would like mm. to see it out of the context of TIFF yeah. to give it another shot because I do like Taika a lot, but I do feel like his premises or his ideas are more interesting than the execution of some of his movies. Like even something like Thor Ragnarok, I enjoy or what we do in the shadows, but I think his best film, the one that, I mean, a lot of people do say is a companion to Jojo Rabbit, but I, I, at this point think is, is a better film is boy. Yeah. Um, but I would like to see it again. Like, I, I think it's unfair to necessarily say it's this year's, Life is beautiful because it's a better movie than that. No, yeah. Um, I like it quite a bit. But it just, um, it is still a film that is of high artistic merit and it doesn't feel like it's a necessarily a crowd pleaser the way that it won the People's Choice Award. So I was kind of surprised by that. The, the, the one film that seemed to get uh, unanimous praise this festival was Parasite. Like, mm-hmm. Parasite, like, I don't think I've, I've heard anybody say anything bad about the movie yeah i'd agree with that uh, as well so yeah jojo kind of took me by surprise um i was after our screening we were talking about it and you're like i don't think it has any kind of awards potential but now winning the people's choice and if you look at the past decade i think every single film that got the tips people's choice award was nominated for best picture except for one yeah and, and um, i'm gonna look that which one was that one right year now. where it's yeah, something it's random the film won. from lebanon yeah that randomly won that one year um so i think like moving into award season i'm not saying that the tiff people's choice award is the be all end all for um getting an oscar nomination <clears> but where do we go now yeah i remember that year yeah which 2012? is not a very good movie 12 uh it 11 is. i forget when it premiered at tiff um it was early, 2011 yeah early in the decade and i remember yeah out of the last 10 years though that was the only film that didn't get yeah. nominated for best Picture. and her film last year uh uh nadine uh Labicki, um was nominated for foreign language well there you go uh, capernaum there we go um so yeah i mean i i think jojo now is in that conversation i i didn't think it was going to be the people who um, love it love it yeah. like the, and i like really like it there's a but... passionate group like the people who do really want to champion it will be there mm-hmm. for it um but i do think it's going to be a film that is kind of split down the middle still um like it almost feels like like the next thing that that he's doing is going to be more of like the crowd pleaser right it sounds more like the crowd pleaser with next soccer movie wins yeah yeah um but yeah that was interesting the midnight madness people's choice uh went to the platform which Netflix um, picked up. Netflix picked up. Neither of us saw it. No. Correct. Um, the documentary uh, award went to The Cave, correct? Yes. Um, and Which I have a screener link for. I will be watching that soon, cool. and I'll talk about it on maybe the next show. Cool. Uh, and then the platform prize – sorry, I got confused because of the platform. Right. Uh, went to – it and at 13,000 feet. And, and Proxima, Proxima was second and, third, second and third, right? Yeah. What one? And we should say Marriage Story and oh, sure, yeah. uh, Parasite were second and third in The People's Choice. Mm-hmm. Which made sense. I think those are also two movies that I... Oh, um, uh, Martin Eden? Yeah, Martin Eden yeah. won the platform prize. Which Thank Kino you. Lorber picked up. Cool. So yeah, that, those are all your TIFF awards for the... And the Fapresci Prize for special presentations went to How to Build a Girl, which is a baffling. <laughs> um, and there are some other smaller prizes, but those are the big ones. And um, 
Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I never thought Parasite was going to win just because as much as everyone loved it and there were lineups around the Toronto for it and everyone I talked to loved it. Yeah, um, and, and for a film I, that has already played internationally in South Korea, um, people have been bootlegging it. I mean, yeah. we had people telling us that they I, yeah. bootlegged it, which is dumb because you should see that movie on the big screen. Um, They added multiple screenings. I just think because it wasn't a TIFF, like this, like it played can already and already won the Palm Palm door. door, So like, I never felt like it was going to win because of that. Well, the other one that I thought might have a chance, not maybe as the people's choice, but at least in the top three that didn't show up there was waves. Yeah, I thought Waves in a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood would um, show up. And, and then Just Mercy was one where it's like on paper it seemed, seemed like it was going enough, to be yeah. that film. And then it kind of just fizzled. And I feel like that's what that movie actually um, might do when it's inevitably released. Like as much as I kind of enjoyed it um, during our time watching it, I just uh, I've almost completely forgotten about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought overall the festival was interesting this year. I mean, I obviously had a blast with you. I think we worked our asses off, and um, and it, it was a great time. But, like, I've been saying to a lot of other people that on paper I felt like this year looked incredible. After watching 35 movies and you saw 50, I just want to get your thoughts overall of what you um, how you felt the festival went. Because for me, and I know this happens every year where it usually gets split into like three quadrants, right? Top quadrant, 10 movies I really like. Middle quadrant, 10 movies I thought were fine. And then bottom quadrant, 10 movies that I thought were pretty bad. Right. That I'm like, why are these even here? Um, or some of them I understand why they're there. They're just not matte movies. Um, this year, there's three movies that I really loved and those were parasite a beautiful day in the neighborhood and joker uh which is both beautiful day in the neighborhood and joker i wasn't expecting to love them as much as i do right um and parasite i always was very excited for and um but i didn't know it would be my number one of the festival but it was because it's incredible um then i think there's like a pretty big gap like if you're comparing it to like what my top of the you said um both parasite and marriage story probably made your top five of the year this Mm -hmm. year right where i had the same thing where those top three movies i talked about all made my top five of the year so those are three really strong movies if they can break into your top five of the year uh but then there's like a pretty significant drop for me when you're comparing it to the rest of 2019 um, because I have movies like, um, I think, Waves and Jojo Rabbit as 4 and 5, um, which are movies that I really, really enjoyed. And you guys can listen to those reviews. But I had kind of issues with some of the kind of emotion in, in both of those films, whether it was... The emotion uh, of the ocean. Yeah, whether it was a little too melodramatic or overdone in Waves in that first half or in Jojo, where I felt like some of the emotional um, beats in the, in and the, the last payoff. act and the payoffs didn't work as well as I think Taika intended them to. Um, so that's interesting that four and five, I still have pretty big, like not big issues with, cause I still overall really, really enjoy both of those movies, but they both cracked my top 25, but they were kind of lower in that top 25. So if you look at movies four through, uh, I mean, I'll pull up my letterbox list right I'll now. Since we're talking well, about since it. We're talking so we can actually, it. um, talk about what's on those lists talk about um, i don't think we need to do an official like countdown back and forth we can just kind of talk about our festivals at large um 
But yeah, so those top three I really, really, really do genuinely love. And then, yeah, you have Waves at uh, four, Jojo Rabbit at five. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't know what happened. Um, that happened to me just a second ago. Yeah. So. It's dry in here, maybe. Um, Sound of Metal at six, Marriage Story at seven. I'm the only person who will have this movie at eight, Lucy in the Sky. Uh, yep. <laughs> Uh, Vast of Night at number nine, Just Mercy, which is in my top ten, which is a movie that I've already almost forgotten about. Um, a ridiculous movie like Weathering with You breaks my top eleven. You got Hustlers. Was that at, Big Mac? Yeah. Hustlers at twelve, Les Mis at thirteen, Honey Boy at fourteen, The Climb at fifteen, Twentieth Century at sixteen. Um, so I think that's your my second quadrant, right? Is right. when you go through waves. Jojo, Sound of Metal, Marriage Story, all those movies I mentioned are kind of in that second territory of like I liked them. But the I, second quad? Yeah, and then that third quadrant, maybe I break it up into four quadrants because this third quadrant is um, the ones that I was sort of disappointed with but still thought were okay where you have like The Lighthouse, Knives Out, A Hidden Life, Ford versus Ferrari, Dolomite, Bad Education, The Laundromat, and Clifton Hill. And then you have the last quadrant, which are the movies I did not actually like really much at all. Uh, Abominable, Uncut Gems, Aeronauts. <laughs> I'm the only one with Uncut Gems that low, too. Uh, Aeronauts, Synchronic, Judy, How to Build a Girl, Motherless, Brooklyn, The Truth, Emma, and The Giant. So, yeah, I mean... What it, were the, the surprise? Like, you mentioned you, you were kind of surprised with how much you liked uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and Joker, but what were some of the surprises that you weren't expecting or didn't really know anything about going into the festival was that sound of metal for you or? yeah i think sound of metal would be the the biggest one vast of night is yeah. up there as well because those both both of those movies broke my top 10 so um i really love riz ahmed's performance in sound of if, if you guys don't know go listen to a review but um sound amazon of, studios also picked it up so it, up. it will both amazon movies yeah. those two so i mean there's a reason there um uh yeah, he plays a heavy metal drummer who is losing his hearing and eventually goes deaf. And uh, really love the sound design and the style of the movie. Uh, again, some issues with it maybe being a little bit too long and, and drags on a little bit. But overall, I, I thought the style was excellent and the, and the lead performance by Riz Ahmed is, is quite good. I love the use of uh, open captioning in the film as both a stylistic choice and just for... Um, you know, uh, just because it's a good thing to have. In yeah, for those films. that are hearing impaired, yeah. right? Like yeah. it's actually being considerate to those to a film that's depicting this, yes. right? Like it's actually saying, okay, like we're not just trying to um, be manipulative or or take advantage and 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 sort of not be truthful to the subject matter. Like it's right. considering, yeah, and that it's as well. It's baked into the film so it can't be played without it, right? Yeah. So it is very accessible for that reason. Um so that was one that surprised me, a pleasant surprise, Vast of Night, uh which was one of our last reviews that we did. Uh an, a really cool stylistic quiet sci-fi movie that played in Midnight Madness. Um, made with no money. Yeah, made yeah. with very little money, but very interesting cinematography. Has kind of a really interesting Twilight Zone-esque kind of narrative structure. Um, really, really dug that. Um, I mean, a movie that you told me about, which I still am mixed on, but movies like The Climb and 20th Century, um, I think are both films that I hadn't really heard of or know much about uh knew much about going into that um even if i was you know in that you do love clubbing baby seals though oh yeah 
<laughs> Stop. I uh, don't say shit like that. Um, it's uh, in 20th century. I know, I know. Uh, but out of context, <laughs> people don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Uh, both of those movies, I think, are are oozing with style, and I appreciate they're good. Them both they're for they're it. great first features, and I think like what excites me the most about them, I. I especially with the climb it's like i'm actually looking forward to seeing what those filmmakers are going to do next agreed and then um yeah i think those are the ones that i'd want to point out to people that um i don't know if they've maybe have heard of them yet and uh were pleasant surprises what about you festival as a whole for you festival as a whole um i i i enjoyed it i i always enjoy TIFF yeah. in those two weeks kind of being in this even if i hated every movie i would bubble love it. yeah yeah i mean it's just it's Getting to see movies with your colleagues and peers and, and and having an interesting experience where you see the same movie but you don't take away the same uh, you know, review or thoughts and you can have a really interesting discussion afterwards. Sometimes, you know, people can be very passionate and one way or another and, and, and really, you know, maybe that comes off as defensive, but maybe not intentionally. Um, but at the same time, I think what I enjoyed about this festival is that we actually saw most of the stuff together. Yeah. And that uh, we, you know, were able to talk about the movies afterwards and kind of, again, you know, break them down and review them and, and record them on the show. But also just kind of we knew where we were, like we were almost in sync at a time. Not that we agreed on everything, but like in terms of like we kind of had an idea like after the movie had screen like where we were w- with mm-hmm. the film or like where you know critically we 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 kind of fell on on, on the movie so right. yeah it was it was it was fun with that and 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 again like i think um it was interesting just being the first year without Pierce handling sort of being a programmer or yeah. being in charge of the festival and seeing um a more diverse group of films and and um, I got to count how many movies I saw that were directed by women, but I feel almost ashamed that I I think it's somewhere in the 15 to 16 of 50, and I think that I probably should have tried to have seen more. But, like, things like that, like, I hope to maybe, you know, in the future continue to be more... Being conscious uh, of that. Yeah, yeah. And, and conscientious and, 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 and try to sort of put myself out there a little bit and, and, and see stuff that maybe I don't know too much about. And yeah, like, same. I mean, one it's... of those movies for me was, was, was Nevis's recommendation of Adam, which I was really pleasantly surprised about. And like, I think if more people had seen that movie, that could have been a kind of surprise contender for the people's choice award, because it's a very uplifting film. Weirdly that even though when you describe a film that takes place in Morocco, that's yeah. about a baker who befriends a homeless pregnant woman, like doesn't sound necessarily yeah. uplifting, but it is. And it's beautifully made and it's well-directed and it's thoughtful and, and interesting and sort of how, you know, humanitarianism and support, you know, is sort of acted upon. And, um, that was a movie that really took me by surprise in terms of like again not really knowing anything going into it other than what what Nevis had told me and I was just kind of intrigued by it and wanting to see something that someone else had said hey you know what take a chance on this yeah I think I need to be better with that too but it, it's it's interesting especially when we're doing it for this now for the podcast too because you have to have that weird kind of conversation with yourself of like we have to cover the biggest things right because that's what kind of this is what the drives, people want. Yeah, well, it drives traffic. And I know I have, I mean, I'm honest with myself and I'm honest with everyone listening. And I mean, if you've been listening to us for 
this long or even on this episode, um, you kind of know my tastes kind of dive into that kind of populist kind of area. Which but you're I'm, not I'm, afraid to, to give not, things a shot. like That as well, but yeah. I'm also not afraid to say that that's what my tastes kind of align right. to, right? So, I mean, I am going to cover the biggest movies at the festival because I'm excited for those movies just like other people are, but I need to try to also make time for kind of some of that smaller stuff too yeah the stuff that will maybe not get a theatrical release right away or stuff that doesn't have theatrical distribution and you're kind of just basing it on the description of the film or the programmer or sometimes somebody that's seen it and and has kind of recommended it to you Mm -hmm. um and and like for me like looking at my my list i would say the top 15 films that i have on on my on my tiff list were all movies that I really, really liked. Um, the top three are in my uh, top 25 of the year. They cracked mm-hmm. the top five. Same with me, um, yeah. And so um, I, I, I would say it's, it was a pretty solid year. Was there, yeah. was there a movie that was... Um, transcendent. <laughs> transcendent or euphoric as Parasite? I don't know if any film could be in any given year competing against that, but... Um, in terms of having a just a solid year of movies, I would say that it was it was pretty good. Like there mm-hmm. wasn't like, you know, like not every movie was that film. And sometimes you do get two or three of those movies at TIFF. This year there was the one. For but you, it, yeah. Yeah, but, but that doesn't mean that like, okay, so, you know, Marriage Story and Portrait of a Lady on Fire, I, I gave five stars to both of those. Same thing with Parasite. But I mean, of those three, Parasite is the film that that's stuck with me throughout the the festival, like a parasite, you know, in in my stomach, uh, and and you know, like it's the film I I'm most anxious to to rewatch. Um, but at the same time, with with Marriage Story and and Portrait of a Lady on Fire, I had great experiences watching them because I reacted to what was being shown on the screen and those and that's why I go to TIFF is because you want to be connected to the material you're watching or 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 the performances you're watching or the filmmaking or the point of view and those three films specifically really got to me and I felt like you know watching those movies that I would be excited to see them again and, 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 and watching them the way I did in whether it be the Ryerson or the Elgin or the Lightbox was or the an amazing, or the, well, not the Sco, <laughs> cause those three I watched. I know I'm kidding. But... Was, were great experiences yeah, yeah. and were ones that I really always look forward to having when I go to TIFF because I know they will be the best way to see those movies. Agree. Completely. Um, and yeah. And, and again, like we made the joke that I'm like, I've become like the, the David Ehrlich of neon this year where like at, at least like five of their movies are in my top 25 and portrait of the lady on fire and parasite are in my top three. Yeah. So, it happens, man. You so know? yeah. But again, like, um, so it, it was a, it was a good year and I'm just, uh, looking at on this list now. So, um, number four for me was a, was a hidden life. Uh, number five was Beanpole, which is a post-World War II Leningrad film that is extremely depressing. I talked about it on the show. Um, it just hits that sweet spot for me. Of, like Again, like the bleakest part of the world and humanity shown on screen that isn't afraid to kind of like go to the dark places that you know, we read about in the paper or read about in history books. Yeah. Um, Pain and Glory was number six. Joker was number seven. Uh, the 20th century was number eight. 20th century for me was, I think, next 
only next to Parasite was the funniest film that I saw at the festival and the film that I laughed the most at. And I can't wait to give it like to give it another shot. Yeah, and I would like I was, actually see I was it out with of an it, audience but, yeah. as well. Like I I can only imagine how much fun the mid like that to me did feel like the closest to a midnight, midnight movie. madness movie yeah. in terms of like especially for Canadians and like how ridiculous. Agreed. Some of that is, but also how like the historical context isn't completely far off yeah. from from some of that, you know, being way it's obviously over the very top. heightened. But yeah, and 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 again, like humor wise, I was just completely with it, um, and it's not going to be everybody's thing, and that's fine. Um, uh, Beautiful day in the neighborhood was number nine. Number ten was Knives Out. Number eleven was The Climb. Uh, number 12 was Sound of Metal. Number 13 was Honey Boy. Number 14 was Uncut Gems. And number 15 was Adam. So those 15 were either great to, to very really good. good. Yeah. And then like you have stuff like I was a little mixed on with The Lighthouse and Waves and Les Mis um, and, and The Kelly Gang which and St. Maud, in which all those movies I really liked to a certain degree. But yeah. there was things about them that I felt... You know, like, if you could just change this or, like, maybe edit that, it would be even better. But that, again, like, I'm not – I don't want to tell the filmmaker or tell the, 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 the listeners how to watch the movie or, or how to see the film. It's just that for me personally, they didn't completely work the way that those 15 movies really hit me. And especially those top five did. And, and again, like, there are things that I admire and respect and, and like about all – um, of 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 those kind of ones that I was mixed on, but I just felt that they didn't deliver the way that I was hoping they would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I had a couple of those too, right? Yeah, and then like my very bottom, like I'll just quickly mention like Wasp Network, How to Build a Girl, Harriet, Motherless Brooklyn, Goldfinch, and The Giant were just kind of and Judy were were just mediocre, or bad, and then like David Copperfield, like. I appreciate what it was trying to do. I just think it failed. And tonally, it was just kind of off. And, like, some people I I know do like it. But in terms of uh, Inunichi, uh, Ar- Ar- Armando Inunichi's style, I just don't think it worked tonally with the whimsical nature that he was kind of going with. Um, and then, yeah, like, the biggest surprises for me were were movies like Sound of Metal. Like, it just kind of took me by surprise. Because I had heard about the film and that this director uh, Darius uh, Martin had been trying to make it for, for years and, you know, having, you know, Matthias Schoenhartz and Dakota uh, Johnson in the leads for, for, for a long time. Um, and then going to Riz Ahmed and Olivia cook, it was, was a kind of interesting transition. And, and to be honest, after watching the movie, I don't think anyone else other than those two actors could have played those parts. Yeah. Uh, I just realized I didn't even have David Copperfield on my ranking, which means I actually did hit 35 because I thought I was at 34. So now I can rest my soul, even yeah. though I left an hour in. But that still counts for me. Right. Um, yeah, man. I, I I think our lists are, are pretty aligned, except for a few films, which, I, I mean, you guys can listen to our reviews where we kind of go back and forth. I mean, I was I was one of the few that was super positive on Lucy in the Sky, um, we differed, uh, in opinion on, um, things like Knives Out, where you were a little bit more positive. I was a little bit more negative and vice versa for Jojo. Was there anything else we were wildly on opposite ends? I on? think those were it. Um, I mean, you liked Marriage Story a little bit more than I did, even though I thought it was still quite good. 
Um, I think Uncut Gems was the big, oh the biggest was one, the biggest right. one because I also... I really liked it and like I understand where you're coming from, but I also realized like that's part of what the movie is designed to be. Oh, I know, like, yeah. there, like there are some people that really truly do think this is like a masterpiece. I don't I wouldn't go that far, but I think what I love about it is the Safdie brothers are unafraid to make the movie that they want and yeah. they're going, you know, to the extreme for it. And I, I said that even when I was talking to your brother about it and um, I just, I'm like, it just wasn't my thing. Like, right. I, I felt it was obnoxious, but I totally appreciate that at least they're going all out there. It's their vision. They're not really compromising that. And uh, at least it's different from a lot of the, you know, mediocre kind of middle of the road stuff so yeah. at least they're doing something different or they're trying something so yeah it's loud obnoxious and just so over the top but but again like i can also understand like you know we saw this what like in the second half of the festival yeah. and like it can be even more if i would have saw that on day one who knows yeah right? like it's like it can be more grating because of that and mm. then like something like emma where i was kind of like the first shot of the movie i was like oh this is really really cool and I and I and I really wanted to be on board with it because I like Pablo Loren quite a bit and um you know with the club and and Jackie and and what have you but I felt like the movie kind of went nowhere and <laughs> it's funny because I was talking to uh um Anna Swanson afterwards and um I think it was at before Deerskin um and she was saying like Maybe it was Deer's gonna. It was one. It was it was something that day, and she was telling me like, "Oh, what was it? How does it? No, it was at Astra. So it was before the screening of at Astra after TIFF." And she's like, "So what was it like to be wrong?" And I was like, "Being wrong about what?" And it's like Emma being a masterpiece are really great. And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> I just I couldn't get into it. I, yeah, I yeah. and I felt I mean, the I'm movie you, didn't but... want you to get into it. And yeah, I'm with you, but yeah, um, it's very like it's probably one of the more esoteric films of the past, right? Um, but again, a lot of people do love that movie. So, and again, I, I had this conversation with Simone and Adriana last night at a party that I was at, um, of just being like, "That's kind of why I love." I and I argue all the time that I think this shit is all subjective, and I, I really love talking to people that. I mean, I think in my as I gotten older and less, I guess, still very opinionated, but less, I guess, you know, argumentative about it or like. I've learned that just who gives a shit if someone doesn't. You just like gotta let it roll off your back, and right? you just like it's okay if you like something different than I did, or something worked for you, or, or didn't work for me. And I think you can still have an interesting conversation with someone because we were talking about Lucy in the Sky last night because she was just like, "The fuck do you like that movie?" <laughs> right? Like, and I was like, "Here's why I liked it." And then if most rational people will be like, oh, "Okay, I, I get that," it just. I think the complete opposite of you. And I'm right. like, that's fine. Yeah, for me, Lucy um, kind of falls in that I was just disappointed with it. Like, I didn't think it was awful. Like, I, I think it's better than what that first wave of, of negative reviews were. Like, I've seen... I saw worse at the festival. I, I mean, I named, yeah. like, seven movies that are that are worse than that. Mm -hmm. um, I just feel like it was kind of like... An, Again, like with the people involved, there's so and much potential, potential and yeah. it just didn't live up to it. But yeah, but again, like that's just you know on me. But I wouldn't say it's the worst thing at the festival. And I'm sure there are some people that you know are listening to us and saying like, you know, how could you say Motherless Brooklyn is is the worst thing? And it's like that's it another is one, one of where the worst. It's things. one of the worst, and it's also one of the most disappointing because yeah. I love that book. I know that Norton wanted to make the best movie he could because he loves that book as well. And unfortunately, you know, as much as he is a great actor, he's not as great. 
uh, a filmmaker uh, as a director. I'd agree with that. Um, is there any particular festival? You mentioned Jojo being the one film that you probably maybe want to give another shot to. So for me, it's Knives Out. Yeah. I haven't stopped thinking about me not really <laughs> loving that movie as much as everyone else. And I don't, I try not to let, again, like I just said, I try not to let other people's opinions kind of influence me at all. But like, there are those films sometimes where you just feel like you're on another planet where like I didn't hate Knives Out, but I was just completely disinterested after the first act. And um, I thought it was sort of fun, but just kind of whatever, right? Where it seems like everyone else is going apeshit for it. And um, it's the one movie where I'm like, all right, there's always one at TIFF where I feel like I'm on another planet about and I try to give it another shot once it's eventually in theaters or something like that. So I think... Knives Out would be that movie this year. And then I mentioned 20th Century being like, I really enjoyed uh, the majority of that movie. I just was so exhausted that day that like I, right. I kind of crashed in the IMAX theater. Yep. I um, heard you snoring. Yeah. So um, you're only out though for like five minutes. Right. So I, for the most part, I really enjoyed that movie. But uh, Knives Out is the one where I'm like, I definitely have to. Those. That's the one where I want to give it another shot. And then Joker, Parasite, and uh, Beautiful Day are the ones that I'm like, I would watch those again immediately. Yeah. I would like to see Waves again as well yeah. out of the festival because that was another one where it was like I want I really wanted to like it more than I did mm -hmm. like I liked everything that it was doing I think the film we've talked about Trey Edward Schultz being a really great filmmaker one we really like um it, it's an interesting idea visually it's it's really wonderful looking like there's so much to like about that film and it is good it's, it, it's a good movie but I just didn't love it the way that some people did and mm -hmm. and i wanted to i wanted to be on that wave matt i wanted to be there surfing with everyone else but wasn't yeah and moving off of that i think it's interesting going back to our 19 most anticipated movies of 2019 now that we've seen a big chunk of them and a lot of them at tiff it's just interesting with um uh you guys can check out a review of ad astra which we both really really enjoyed uh endgame lived up to the height uh, Beach Bum, we both loved. The Dead Don't Die, I think, was w the first big disappointment right. on this list. Have you seen uh, it? I haven't yet. Okay. Um, but just talking to you and other yeah. people, that seems to be the consensus. I'm eventually, I'll, uh, probably October, I'll rent it. Yeah, um, it's it's um, fine. I didn't dislike it, but in terms of a follow up to, like, just thinking like this was Jarmusch's follow up to Patterson, it's mm -hmm. just really disappointing. Yeah. And then you have something like Lucy in the Sky, which is getting abysmal reviews. I mean, I liked it, and, and you were a little disappointed. Motherless Brooklyn was on there, and that yep. was a huge disappointment. Uh, Uncut Gems is on there, which was a disappointment for me, but you really liked it. Yeah. Waves, which I really enjoyed did, but had issues Neva with. Did Neva see Uncut Gems? Yes, yeah, she loved it. Okay. Um, she thought it was fantastic. I'm really in a small minority on that. But um, I understand why you don't like it. Like I, I think like when people actually see it when it's you know whether it play on netflix and internationally or in in art house theaters in the u.s like i can see a lot more people being turned off by it yeah even oh, more so than good time like good right. time is kind of an endurance test but at least the you're not really rooting for the character and i like that the safety brothers are interested in self-destructive personalities but right. this is like Truly, I think you wrote about like saying how it was a, an endurance test throughout mm -hmm. the whole thing to get yeah, through. It really was. Um, 
Jojo Rabbit, which I think we talked about our difference of opinions on that. Knives Out, our difference of opinions on that. Um, I think we both really enjoyed Midsummer and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Parasite. I'm just glad we got Parasite um, on that list because yeah. we, we we can say that we put Parasite on the you know the 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 year in preview for 2019, yeah. and it uh, lived up to that hype. And then Spider Man Far From Home as well. So the only ones we are we haven't seen now, Irishman. Irishman. Um, actually, the D. Rees movie is now a 2020 movie, correct? Yeah. So we might either have to replace that or that just gets... Just a, leave it. I mean, it's um, just... It, ha- it happened. Will we'll, it carry over to 2020? <laughs> we might we'll have see. to. Uh, we have Little Women that we still need to see and Star Wars, and that's it. There's yeah. only three movies on here that we haven't seen yet on our most anticipated movies yeah. of the year. Now, something like, you know, like that we don't have on, on there yet, that's an interesting question, Mark, is like Queen Queen and Slim. Yeah, right? which we didn't really know anything about going into no. this year. Yeah, so, and uh, you'd think that that would be something that would have played the fall festival circuit, and it is going to be playing at AFI. Um, which so, we barely consider a festival. Right, but, but it's it's one, it's one it's more so I think it is for, a big one, but it's just, I never is, but think it's, of it's it. It's more so for, like, Academy members yeah. and, and, like, actual voting groups because they it's can Because it's one of the only, like, them. L.A.-based kind of... Yeah, L.A. Film. used to have a film festival, and I think it happened around August, and then they, a couple years it's ago... It's so interesting that they don't, right? Right. Like, I well, mean, AFI is... Would, yeah. AFI is their big one, yeah. but... But that's in November and, like, it's usually leftovers, and they have one or two premieres. Yeah, right? like I wouldn't be surprised because because AFI does have the film. Sometimes they have a movie that is sort of a launch pad for for an Oscar contender. Like I mean, I, I've brought this up before. I think where like AFI was the was the beginning um, of of Oscar season or award season for our favorite movie, uh, American Sniper. We blame AFI for that. Yeah, shit. <laughs> and that was the that was when the film first premiered, and everybody was like, "Oh shit, this is going to be an Oscar contender." So I wonder if that the new Clint Eastwood movie is done in time, which it probably is. Uh, will will premiere there as well, and if there's anything else that will pop up. So like that's mm-hmm. usually where like the last minute awards movie does show up. So maybe Queen and Slim will be that this year, or or maybe something else entirely that is that is done that we're not even thinking of yeah i mean so that leads into my next point that i wanted to talk about before wrapping this up so now that tiff we're done with tiff which usually covers the majority of the fall festival like or award stuff for us i mean this year like you said there's some outliers and and i mean after now can venice um telluride um and tiff where do you th- how do you think award season is shaping up? Cause like, I think you brought it up early in the conversation of like, I don't think there's one clear front runner in most of the categories. No, right? there, like, there are things that we know now that are contenders or aren't contenders that are a little bit more clear and like what actually could do really well. But there isn't like one movie that I would say, you know, place your bets on this film post TIFF or post uh, festival season that this is like this is like there's there's no Roma there's no La La Land there's no Green Book there's there's no movie that uh, or Moonlight Moonlight or, but even yeah. Moonlight at, in, until the last minute wasn't necessarily like I would say like is a hundred percent it became a movie that people were talking but about. that's what I mean like, like it was it, a discovery that's right? what I mean though there we was don't no even discovery really have, here yeah. but something like Parasite even though we knew you know everybody wanted to see it it won the Palm Door but what Parasite sort of told us at this at TIFF and and everywhere else it's played 
is that this is going to be more than just you know winning the international film. Yeah. This is Bong Joon Ho is going to hopefully get nominated for directing. He's going to get nominated for screenplay. It could make it into best picture. So that's I, my question. I think it does. Yes, I do too. Um, I think it's a best picture contender. And then you look at something else, which I, I I'm still having a hard time I'm believing with you. is Joker yeah. as a best picture nominee. Now, do I think Todd Phillips will get in for directing? I don't think so. But I, I think I think Joaquin Phoenix was always the focus of that film yeah. but I and do now think, it confirms that he will get nominated he could i think he is the front at, runner is yeah. the front runner i think him and adam driver are kind of neck and neck and then like something like tom hanks we now know is supporting mm-hmm. in a beautiful day in the neighborhood he's not the lead mm-hmm. you know like stuff like that and then like also more recently post tip as well like with france they submitted les mis instead, instead of, of portrait Port- of a lady yeah. on fire which is very interesting well, I, mean, I think that makes a little bit more sense because France has kind of been always a little bit iffy on the queer content. And then on top of that as well, Les Mis is kind of like a social injustice movie as well and sort of looks at what's going on currently in France. So that kind of makes sense. And that's also an Amazon title as well. Yeah. So that very much well could show up in 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 the five international films. I don't think anything will beat Parasite. Um, and then, yeah, Marriage Story was the other one which we talked about already where this thing is going to be a best picture contender, probably directing uh, in most of the acting categories as long as Scarlett Johansson doesn't say anything else. <laughs> it's horrible. Um, I think Laura Dern could even win. I think I think Alan, Alda, yeah. Alan Alda is going to show up in supporting. I think even Ray Liotta could randomly show up if the movie's loved as much as it is because I think – the one group that's going to support it the most is the acting branch. Mm -hmm. And that movie. So I guess marriage story is the one that we probably didn't expect to be as big as it was. And I think even for Netflix, because Netflix, like I think two popes, could show up in the, in the acting categories as well. But like, I don't necessarily know, uh, you know, if the Academy is going to be completely gaga for, Netflix because there's still this kind of divide right, right between so when Dan you have marriage story and, two popes Irishman all kind of even Dolomite like a lot of people yeah. think that a Murphy could show up in best actor because you know like this is a career comeback role where I don't him. see that in that movie like I, just, I see Ruthie Carter maybe Golden being Globe for sure nominated for for costumes for for that movie yeah but I think like if, Eddie if, Murphy Golden Globe yeah for sure I, I think if Netflix post I mean we don't know what's going on with the Irishman yet but in terms of what they have to offer now, they probably want to put as much in terms of campaign money into Marriage Story because that's the one that seems like is the most likely to go the distance. And it probably needs it more than The Irishman and yeah. things like that too, right? But I feel so. like once people see Marriage Story, like they'll get it. Like It's just a movie that you just need to watch. Like mm-hmm. You just need to get the person to sit down and watch it. Totally agree. Yeah, I think Joker is the one that I didn't expect, but will probably make it in for Best Picture. From what we've, what I'm looking at right now, and what's coming up, um, it looks like like there aren't ten movies where I'm like, oh yeah, all of those are 100 percent guaranteed, right? I yeah. would love to see Marielle Heller get in for directing, um, based on the movies I've seen this year and, and her direction in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. I, um, I would also love to see Lulu Wong get nominated yeah. for for The Farewell. Unfortunately, again, it's it that 
category is such a male dominated category and like it's not progressive in any way and i so there's and I no don't way we probably think, like, get heller and wong yeah and it's like you're gonna have to pick one or the other and i see wong maybe getting in over heller because like it's weird like I can see people looking at A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood the way that they looked at Can You Ever Forgive Me and, like, look at the performances more than the directing and be like, oh, the movie just kind of made itself, basically. But that one scene in the Chinese restaurant where everybody has that minute of silence is an amazing piece of direction. And it's like... Like, that alone should have her in the top five. I think both of them should be in. And I think, you know, like, in terms of breaking it up and diversifying it, you know, if, if we had both of them in Bong Joon-ho, that would be amazing. Yeah. Is that going to happen? No, Probably in a dream not. world. <laughs> no, and, and, like, is Todd Phillips going to show up in there? Maybe. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and, I mean, I, lo- I think Joker's excellent, but it's just, like... Oh man, Todd Phillips, Peter Fairley one year. But yeah, so, but Peter Fairley didn't yeah. get nominated for directing, right? Oh right, he did. So okay, you know, yeah. like Todd so Phillips could, could go be that. Same. Yeah, I don't. Joker has no chance of winning, but I think it. Uh, I think it probably does make it in. Yeah, and um, then you have people like Tarantino as well. Like Once Upon a Time in right. Hollywood, I think is Best Picture mm-hmm. for sure. I think Pitt I think it'll show up in a lot of lot of areas. Yeah, but. and then Jojo Rabbit's an interesting one where like. I, Best picture, maybe, but like David Poland was like saw it again recently and he was tweeting about like how like he thinks it's going to get up to 12 nominations and like it could get two and supporting actress and supporting actor. And I'm like, really? I don't mm-hmm. see it getting like I see it maybe getting like five. Yeah. But like I like Taika Waititi, like he like will he show up in directing? I don't I'm not sure. Will will, you know. Joe Hansen and uh, Thomas and McKenzie show up in supporting uh, actress. I, I mean, I don't I really think Rockwell's like going to show up in supporting. No, actor. I really like the movie, but I just can't see that. I don't yeah. know, but maybe we're wrong. Like uh, to me, it almost feels like that movie is like a screenplay nomination, and then that's it. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, or we said Thomas and McKenzie is excellent. In the yeah, movie. and 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 I think she, like she does have some leftover goodwill from Leave No Trace last year, mm-hmm. so like maybe she gets in but again like i could almost feel like see like scarlett johansson has never been nominated before and like this could be like the one-two punch kind of thing where it's like we'll we'll tie the shoe figuratively and literally and nominate her for both marriage story and jojo because she ties shoes in both of them is she supporting in both movies no she's lead yeah she's lead in marriage story and then supporting in jojo so she could get two nominations there's someone else who has a chance of getting two this year as well uh brad pitt oh yeah Yeah. Uh, at astra's not happening you don't think so no not even for his performance you don't think no and i loved his performance in the movie the that movie yeah will be lucky to get maybe a cinematography nomination, not it's even just, special effects. It's just not that. It's I, not I mean, that I kind love of movie. it. Yeah, I get and I'm it. actually kind of rooting that that it doesn't get nominated for anything because <laughs> it'll make it even a better movie ten years sure, from now when yeah. we look back and be like, "What the fuck were we thinking?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it just—it's too weird. It's too subdued for the Academy's liking in terms of the sci-fi stuff. Like when sci-fi movies get nominated, they need to be big. They need to be a about something they need to be kind of accessible this is ad astra is not that i agree and it's I'm, not directed by somebody that has the clout that a christopher nolan has sure i would just Kubrick love to has. see brad pitt show up in supporting and lead i, I but. would too but but then again there's this whole debate with with pitt in once upon a time in hollywood i mean is he really supporting, supporting or lead yeah you that's know true. And, and that's the thing as well like is, they'll push him in supporting yeah but yeah uh even though he's 
that borderline actually he has probably more of a through line in the entire film than like leo yeah has. i mean when leo's hanging out on the set he's the one that goes to spawn ranch yeah. right and like that's such a pivotal scene in the movie yeah um and then there are things like i mean waves is an interesting one which i just can't see waves kind of could show up in the independent awards like the spirit awards and stuff like that if they really wanted to, but again, A24 is a smaller company and I think they'll be focusing on the farewell. But in terms of like maybe like the, the big categories, I could see maybe Sterling K. Brown yeah. popping in the supporting actor category. Um, but again, it depends on like the Irishman, right? Like and how many – like is, is it going to be Al Pacino, uh, Joe Pesci, and then you have already Tom Hanks – uh, some people, some people think like uh, one of my favorite sites to go to for awards uh, uh, stuff is uh, the Film Experience, and and Nathaniel Rogers updated his list recently, um, and he still has in supporting actor Willem Dafoe for The Lighthouse, and I'm kind of like that's just too weird of a a movie to get nominated. Like even even though he's good in the movie, it's just like I'd agree. Like, the same thing with Uncut Gems. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, the, the Sandman is going to get a Best Actor nomination. But, you know, you're going to get a lot of older white members that are going to turn that on or watch that in a, in a screening room and leave in the first five minutes of that movie yeah. because it's just too much. I, dude, I'm with you. I don't think any of those make it in. And that's why I don't even think Eddie Murphy makes it in either. But. See, I think Eddie Murphy could because it's more accessible and it's about – filmmaking than yeah. uncut gem if i were to pick between the two um i would say eddie murphy has a better shot than adam sandler okay but I, but if that. either one does like either one might not at all they might do they might just say you know the funny guys doing the dramatic roles whatever right. cool throw them to the side um, yeah i'm bummed that canada didn't submit the 20th century as its international film <laughs> that would be good uh do you think j-lo gets in for hustlers she could she, it, it's it's it could be a combination of a career nomination and a kind of like uh, a movie star role or a reminder of that. Like when she um, is, you know, chewing the scenery, she can be as entertaining or as funny and, and as, as enjoyable to watch as, you know, Brad Pitt. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's like, it is a movie star performance. Now it also depends on what JLo and, STX decide to do campaign wise because it is a supporting role, but it also is a co-lead. So they could either one, they either could one, push right? Like whatever. She it's almost, it's very similar to once upon a time in, in Hollywood where like yeah. she has as much, I mean, it's not her story. It is from the point of view of constant Wu's character destiny, but Ramona does factor into it a lot more than like, you know, like say like, Alan Alda in Marriage Story yeah. or Laura Dern in Marriage Story. Which are with, pure supporting Supporting roles, roles yeah. yeah. Yeah, it. I mean, with in those cases, there's no, like, strict rule, right? So it's, like, it's basically Sony and uh, STX taking a look and going, what do and we have a better chance? And the actor, too, yeah. because she'll have say in what she wants to yeah. do. Right? And what they have a better chance of winning, yeah. usually. Um, and then there are things like, yeah, that obviously won't be players that we thought might have been with Motherless Brooklyn. Um, no, that's out. David Copperfield. Uh, that won't be till next year anyways. But oh, that's, yeah? Okay. Yeah, because it's 2020. Right. Uh, I mean, a movie neither of us liked, but probably is in for Best Actress, Judy, with Renee Zellweger. Yeah, I think she, I, I, at this point, I think she is the, the front runner to win. 
which is interesting. I yeah. just, I thought, um, I, thought I mean, it was I fine. think Scarlett Johansson would be if she just didn't say all the shit she's recently said. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she, she, it's weird because Scarlett Johansson should have been nominated for Lost in Translation. Wasn't um, there was something else? I mean, I didn't really like Match Point, but a lot of people thought she'd be nominated for that. Wasn't she? The, the, there's there's a group in the Academy that just don't like her in terms yeah. of like, a, but it'll be a, hard to not nominate her for yeah. Like if if story. she doesn't get nominated, it would be like a big snub. Yeah, that, that for year. sure. And then the last thing, which is the again a movie I keep forgetting about, even though I I, I thought it was effective, was Just Mercy. Do you think it kind of? I don't know. I mean, it kind of again it faded from from the mind pretty yeah. much, and yeah, like on paper it seems like it is an awards film, but like you also have something like Clemency, which is also dealing with the death penalty and the toll it takes not only on you know the the families of the people that are being executed or or the the legal system, but the people that have to actually perform the execution, the wardens, the 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 guards, and clemency specifically like it's not a great movie but alfrey woodard's performance in the movie is a reminder of how underrated she is and it's been campaigned that way since um since uh, sundance and i know neon has that as well but and they're a smaller company compared to warner brothers but again like it just like just mercy didn't track the way that I think that they wanted it to, and it just and kind of. You think fell Warner by the just puts all of its chips in Joker? Yeah, I, I think of the films that they have, it's definitely not going to be the Goldfinch. I can tell you that. Yeah, much. that's what I mean. Like, what um, else do they have? It's yeah, just, yeah. It's it's. It, I think Joker's going to be unless again, unless the the Eastwood movie, right? Which um, will probably be their secondary kind of thing. Yeah, but 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 again, it depends like what Clint wants to do with it. Like if Clint wants to push it awards wise like he did with american sniper or if he feels that it's a, more uh, of a mule the mule which did really well yeah uh, it was a box office hit um so it's really up to him at that point and and if he wants to push it as an awards film then that might also cater to the steak and potato eaters which are the conservative types because so far looking at that list conservative wise i'd say the closest thing is once upon a time in hollywood in terms of like a conserve or no, you know what? The one movie we haven't talked about that I think will be an awards film that we weren't too hot on is Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's that is the a conventional best conservative contender. play. Yeah. yeah. I think Bale will get into either supporting or lead depending on where they want to put him. Um, I think that it'll get nominated for a bunch of awards that um, we'll disagree with, but I think it's going to be where well, I thought it was fine, but I didn't I, like it that much. Yeah. But, but I do think that that's the most, and I don't want to say it's it's not Bohemian Rhapsody because it's it's a better film than that, but it's just bland. But it also works because it's so bland, bland. <laughs> like it, it's just a classic. It's studio that meat movie. and potatoes thing. You're yeah, talking yeah, about, and that's right? what that I mean, movie is. Yeah, and I think that's gonna play well with people that are like the old our, white our man dads. Crowd. Yeah, that's I said. It's a dad movie. It's yeah. the movie I said this in a review. The movie my dad will text me in one year's time saying he watched on Disney Plus. And thought it was great. <laughs> yeah. So that's that I think will do quite well awards wise as, as well. I think that's gonna be for for Fox and Disney one that they'll they'll push, push to the yeah. finish line. Um Yeah, I think it makes it in for BP. I don't uh, think directing, I, but no. I think I think um a lot of technical sound technical, editing sound sound editing, mixing. Just editing in general. Bail probably. I think will get in, yeah. whether it be supporting or lead. Um 
yeah, I think that's and then and again, like we still have to see how Little Women does. We still have to see. Yeah. So how what are those Irishman movies does. like to wrap this up? The movies that so we've talked like again, we don't really even have a clear list. Like we said. Ford vs. Ferrari probably makes it in. Joker makes it in. Marriage Story probably makes it in. Parasite. Parasite probably makes it in. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The Maybe farewell, The Farewell, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, that's um, going to be... that. The those are like your... are going to have to push to, to remind but, people. Those are that. the six movies right now, probably, that... Yeah. And oh, maybe and then, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, but... Yeah, Beautiful Day, I think, um, will, I think will show up in Best Picture. I think the one category it'll get un- wrongfully snubbed is directing. Yeah. Because, again, like... They looked over her for "Can you ever forgive me?" and and it, like it seems like it's going to be focused on Hanks's performance and then just the general sort of like what it represents in this current climate. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are seven right now. Yeah, I don't know if we're missing anything else. That let me look. I'm going to uh, go on the film experience, which I recommend. And then uh, does. then the contenders. So those are seven movies that could possibly make it in. Then we have things like The Irishman that are still coming. Queen and Slim is still coming. The Eastwood movie is still coming. Um, uh, Little Women is still coming. Cats. Oh, 1917. Is, yeah, 1917. That's the one that is like that. Also, could be the meat and potatoes yeah. kind of like the. The, the 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 guy movie the 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 World War One, you know, going against enemy lines that we haven't seen yet. Cinematography and, sounds like it's going to be something else. Yeah, because like, it's Deacons, yeah, right? And so, a single take, right? Well, yeah. assumed. Yeah, yeah, it's going to look like it's a single take. Yeah, um, and usually one war movie. Oh, you know what? Another movie that actually could is a Hidden Life. I think so. I, we didn't talk about that. Yeah. So I think that that's that big acquisition from Disney and Fox. I think and director directors love Malik, so I think he could get in dir- the directing category. Yeah. Um, Come back for him, and I think it could get in for Best Picture. Yeah. But uh, it'd be like I I could I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't, and I also wouldn't be surprised if it did. If that makes sense. Same. But, I, I agree. Like um, I I I think the criticisms that you had towards it are valid, mm-hmm. but I also think that it's a movie that like again. You know, talking about like Joker and Parasite, there's like this, you know, the rise of the 99% against the one or like mm-hmm. the opposing or, 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 or sticking to your guns and not giving up on, you know, what you believe. Mm-hmm. And, and all those movies kind of represent that now. And especially because of what's going on in the US, I think a lot of those movies will be rewarded for, for, for that and are going to be socially aware of of playing that up in the campaign mm-hmm. and even a beautiful day in the neighborhood it's like like the person that you want to be or the person mm-hmm. that you should be and to be open-minded and, and to have conversations about vulnerability and 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 you know uh, toxic masculinity and sort of overcoming that stuff so mm-hmm. like all those movies kind of play into the here and now mm-hmm. really really well so i think that those movies will will make their mark awards wise um, I'm just looking. Uh, we should this. almost. This might be interesting. I know we don't do a lot of written content on the site and stuff, but I wouldn't mind putting up a untitled movie podcast. You know, uh, a, like Oscars prediction page where me and you kind of put our heads together. Oh, and bombshell! Kinda... Bombshells the it, the the yeah. question mark as well. Where like Jay Roach is the director, <laughs> director of Austin Powers. Yes, yeah, featured in Barry. Uh, <laughs> Which is about Fox News and the Roger Ailes scandal with Megyn Kelly. You have Charlie Theron, Margot Robbie, Nicole Kidman, John Lithgow. Um, that is not getting released until November, December. 
but also could be, you know, topical for the time, Me Too era kind of stuff that's important to talk about, especially within Fox News where, like, you know, morals and values go out the window, especially because it's a male-dominated newsroom. Um, if it's a hit, it could work. Um, if it's more of a commercial play, we'll find out. Like, Jay Roach isn't an awards guy when it comes to films. His TV stuff does really well, like Recount and yeah. um, uh, that Sarah Palin, Palin one that he did with uh, Julianne Moore and Ed Harris. All the HBO stuff that he does TV movie-wise. Mm -hmm. So he's a bit of a question mark the same way that like Todd Phillips was. Cool. Would you be down to do that with me? Do like a predictions kind yeah, of page? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. That compete and fun. see who wins. Not even compete. We, we should put do, our we heads should do together. a fantasy, fantasy award. Well, we'll do that closer. But like I think yeah. just putting our heads together and just doing kind of a updated uh, yeah. predictions as the fall goes on um, based on what we think. Kind of like what those other sites do, but our very simple-minded look at right. uh, Just us kind of Martin shooting. Lawrence for the beach bum. Uh, I mean, I would love that. Um Okay, anything else from TIFF that you wanted to kind of talk about? Or I no, think I mean, it went by pretty quickly. Like, yeah. I mean, like, once you get... I, I think I mentioned this on one of the, the recaps that we did for the reviews. Like, once you actually get into the festival, it kind of just moves. Like, you, yeah. you, you're, you, you blink and it's done. And it's almost like the buildup is more suspenseful and longer than the and actual... And then it's over in a flash. Yeah, yeah. And, and, like, it's very bittersweet, even though what you're exhausted and and having sort of you know been living off of garbage garbage <laughs> and tons of caffeine you're yeah. kind of also sad to see it go because like you you your whole year is almost kind of at least for people like us is sort Begins of and around, ends uh, kind yeah. of yeah right and like there's still stuff to come and it's not like the end of the world or the, like the year is truly over for us but it is kind of in the sense that like we've we've seen a lot now um like, like even as we're talking, like I don't have to be in Toronto this this whole upcoming week, and like it's kind of nice to take a break, but at the same time, it's like oh well, now I got to figure out there? other <laughs> things to do to motivate my myself and you know write more, like do stuff, and yeah, it's just it, it's. It, it, and it also is like this really kind of like you get into a bit of a funk or depression where it's like you want to do something or go out, but you kind of don't as well because you're still decompressing with all that stuff that you've seen in mm -hmm. two weeks. I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, like we saw 35 to 50 films and like we're still kind of thinking about it and, 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 and working that over in our mind. And it really doesn't kind of just go away overnight. Like it almost takes a month and a half really right. to kind of even just, I'm surprised Start I went again. to Ad Astra because usually I take more time off. Yeah. But I, I mean, there are those movies that I, I'm eager to go see. So, but I'm more after the festival. If someone says something's not very good, I'm like, all right, I don't need to go see it. Right. Like with Rambo right, or Rambo, something like yeah. that. But yeah, I mean, it's my favorite time of the year. I think we killed it this year. So thank you again for being a oh, great, no problem. Thank you. I mean, partner. like you put up all um, these pages beforehand. We had everything organized because of you putting like everything together on the site. So like it ran. Pretty smoothly. There was the one time where we were figuring, where you were figuring out the uh, the a software situation, yeah, it was but just you figured my that out. Was and, and, up. Yeah, 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 and and everything seemed to go. Um, pretty well. Yeah, shout out to all the volunteers, all the staff at TIFF. Everyone was amazing. To Jeremy. Um, to Jer Bear, who will, you guys will see. If you didn't go to TIFF, it's a very inside TIFF joke, but it'll be the thumbnail on this episode. Oh, it has to um, be. You can just Google Visa Infinite 
Jeremy, and you could probably watch it on YouTube. Because it used to be Uncle Uncle Marty, right? To to explain to people who aren't from Toronto and haven't attended TIFF, every year at the public showings, you have to sit through the same five fucking commercials <laughs> for every movie you see. So, so every there's year, a variation on the commercials depending on the program. So like Gala, sure. you'll have a different version yeah, of Canada it. Goose will show up for special or whatever the hell they're sponsoring. And like, uh, I don't know. Grolsch. Yeah, we'll show up for something. They're the People's Choice Award. But yeah, like, it's always like an alliteration. Danny doesn't do drama. <laughs> yeah. Tyler isn't thrilled by They've thrillers. used, they've repeated the last couple years some of the ads, which I don't appreciate because you see them year after yeah, year. Yeah, the one I'm really sick um, of is the rbc uh chalk oh ad. my god yeah that's like third year that, in a especially row that, that shot right? it's like i want to make a movie about two princes and i'm like come on you love. can't you can't fucking make a new co- commercial every year yeah. like i get it you're a major corporation i'm like you just spend it. the money to do something slightly different yeah. um just a little because if anything like i work in marketing where to the point i'm like you're more so annoying me now than you are getting me to use or do whatever you want me to do because like i, I get maybe not ever, we're in our own little bubble where we see 35 and 50 movies and we're at repeat festival goes yes. where we come back where if year, you can right? you can tell the people who laugh at yar before the movie the piracy th- thing the pirate sounds are like oh okay these people don't go to very many but it is funny movies. when you get to the closer um, to the end of the festival and you hear it less and less or like one or two people doing it, or it like, gets more ridiculous where people are clapping along with shit yeah. like the L'Oreal this is yeah. funny when they do that the L'Oreal ad this year was more topical in the uh, so it wasn't you couldn't really make fun of it as much right. as you usually would um, there were no though, key lights in this even one. though I felt it was just kind of like one of those lazy marketing things where you're like whoa this is pop this is on this is what people are talking about right now so let's jump on to that not saying that it's a good not a good message or anything it just felt kind of like anyways these are very inside tiff things so you go to these tiff screenings the public ones and you see the same rbc ad the same girls people's choice visa is a major sponsor so you see a visa ad every year and this i do year, like the tiff one the tiff one i've always liked even though they've they've used it a couple times now yeah. where it's just like tiff is and then yeah kind of and like, it's a, a year of coverage and content it's edited it is, very well yeah. i shout out yeah. to i think adam that works at tiff he, he i think he puts those together he's one of the editors at tiff and it's edited very well and it's on it's on beat and it's kind of yeah. ple- pleasant to watch and you don't really get sick of it but no uh the I visa know. infinite commercial this year is about jeremy the celebrity personal jeremy assistant spoken. Yeah. so it's uh, he's this mustached uh dude anyways you'll see it uh, on the thumbnail a personal and then, assistant and you guys can watch it and we had to watch that i mean i saw over 10 public screenings as i pulled a, full, a few extra you saw 20 i saw 20 um, i saw jeremy 20 times yeah so anyways um seeing inside an old friend. stuff so i don't even know what we were talking about but anyways if you guys haven't attended i was th- yeah i was thanking everyone at the festival and yeah first year with uh joanna vincente i think is the new ceo co-ceo with cameron head, bailey with cameron bailey um Great job by them. Great job by all the programmers. I wanted to talk a little bit about Midnight Madness, but we didn't get into that. But I thought Peter did a very interesting. Um, I sorry, he did a great job. I think he programmed great movies. But so this it was, was his like second, second or third year by himself. Year, and it feels like this is more like his range of, of or he's he's being more eclectic with what the definition of Midnight of, Madness yeah. is, which I don't have, have anything against. I kind of like that. But if you're expecting a certain type of film... He's kind of subverted that this yeah, year. Yeah, it's almost like, like he has combined it, you know, a little with, bit of like the Vanguard, what Vanguard used to be before yeah. it was cut out. Um, we need to get rid of primetime. That's the only complaint I have with TIFF's programming. Like, 
nobody. Yeah, if I was going to criticize something, it would I be that. I didn't see any coverage like, on it either. No. And there's the odd year where you're like, oh, I'm excited for that show. Like, maybe if they would have done something more high profile, but um, I don't know. Like, it's the same thing we talked about Midnight Madness. I think Peter programmed some great film films but i feel like without that populist angle where you have that movie that people um you to know, be the opener yeah, or, or the, a middle film like yeah. the way the predator and halloween yeah. was last year i feel like then you bring more eyes onto the program as and a I, whole I, and people yeah. will look at the other movies and be like oh yeah okay i'll add that to to my list as well yeah. because i know people that actually like only see the Midnight Madness movies and like yeah. we'll will will buy tickets to all of the films because they trust the programmers or they like the genre. But but again this year, like I, I liked it, but it's also well, was like, there a movie you'd say you have like other than maybe twentieth century of saying like that was a movie you should have probably seen at midnight see, with that see crowd. I like again like I, I think Saint Maud is really good. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that it's you necessarily needed to see it at midnight. midnight. Like yeah. that could have been in special presentations or discovery. You know, well, like, I thought Vast of Night should be in Discovery. Yeah, like it didn't. Opinion. It didn't need to be in in Midnight. And like, if you're going to watch a movie, because part of the Midnight Madness experience is watching a film in a space with people that love the genre that they're they're catering to, and it also kind of is like an adrenaline rush. Yeah, you feed off of that atmosphere. A lot right? of these movies were, were, were like slow, slow burns. Burn. Like even yeah. Color Out of Space. Yeah was kind of like it, I guess was the most traditional of the ones that I did see, but. It took its time yeah. to get to where it was going. And you didn't have that. Like, I mean, we didn't see the, the Mike movie because and, 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 that's going to be released. Or Crazy World, yeah. which I've heard was like maybe um, the most kind of like midnight engaging yeah. of, of the of the the bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, but even the Mike movie, like I didn't hear much in terms of like, oh, that was like a blast or a riot. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So that was interesting this year. Like Halloween but... last year was was like, an event. Was it? Yeah. yeah, and yeah. and like having it at the Elgin and Winter Garden was amazing. And then like with Green Room as well, you know. Yeah, I would say the raid is in there. The guest, um, you know, even a lot of the. Uh, I mean, I know I like Adam Wingard a lot, but yeah, like, like I remember seeing um, Kill List at a public screening, like a de- like a day of, like not the Midnight Madness, but the audience was just like totally into it, and and like. Again, like those experiences are the most entertaining and most mm-hmm. fun, and they kind of lift your spirits a little bit because if you if you if you need that boost, the, the Midnight Madness crowd is the one that'll kind of get you up and get you riled. But I kind of felt this year that it was very um, subdued and not in a bad way. I kind of liked that he was going for stuff that was a little bit you know more mature maybe or, or a little different out of left field but at the same time it's like you need you need to do the the one for them one for us kind of thing mm-hmm. right yeah i agree completely so um but i still liked what and that's peter not a criticism because yeah. i think peter is awesome and he's doing a great job so i think that was just a, something that i was yeah we'll always about. have a hats off to him yeah i was wearing a cool hat for for peter um yeah it was just the one program where i thought was an interesting kind of decision this year right of how they went with it so yeah um, i think that's a perfect way to end on the midnight madness stuff just right ahead at midnight so um thank you all for listening uh it's been great to be back um on this show doing two and a half hours of nonsense yep um appreciate you coming down eric thank you um uh this is a hot one out there today i heard that a spicy september day um i haven't really gone outside at all i've been very lazy i've been so busy too after tiff like doing shit so i'm just but like actual like 
adult stuff. Yeah. Right? Like you've gone back to work. You've birthday parties, birthday parties. You know, your brother came over to drink beer and play video games. Very adult. Things. Adult things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, like we mentioned, if you like this, uh, we do another show called Untitled Movie Reviews. Um, it's a little bit shorter. Uh, a little bit more professional. Um, mostly everything that's up right now is TIFF content. So all of our TIFF recaps from Festival Street and different random locations around Toronto. Those are a little bit longer than our normal Untitled Movie Reviews episodes because we reviewed multiple films. Yeah. Um, but we also have a review, which is a traditional episode of Untitled Movie Reviews of Ad Astra, which you guys can go listen to right now. And then we'll be covering... Um, Everything in the upcoming fall season, big and small. Um, some of them might be kind of repeat, you know, TIFF uh, reviews that are broken out from those. But we still need to kind of figure out what we're going to do with that. So um, uh, stay tuned on that. But uh, thank and you cats. all. cats. We'll, yeah, we'll get the cats. Yeah, we will. Of course we will. The biggest horror movie of the year coming out. Uh, See, that should have been Peter's Midnight Madness. Midnight, yeah. That would have been amazing. Movie. Wouldn't that have been amazing? <laughs> it if would they, have been. If they would have allowed him to program that for Midnight Madness, and it would have been a fucking blast. That would have yeah. been a banger. Like, people um, would have been dressing up and bringing, oh, yeah. like, catnip. And, oh, God, like... it would have been great. But I don't think Universal would have allowed that, because yeah. I think they're kind of treating it as, like, a prestige movie. A serious but, movie. But come um, on, honestly. <laughs> That would have been amazing. Um, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, uh, mostly at UntitledMoviePodcast.com, and follow along with all of my movie shenanigans on Twitter and Letterboxd and Instagram at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my reviews on RogersTV.com slash CinemaScene and on the social medias like Twitter, Letterboxd, uh, Instagram, um at em6 grinder <laughs> uh at em6211 uh and until next time jerbear